Yeah, what are we starting with? I want to pull up my, my stuff the correct way. Should we introduce the show first and then figure that out? Oh, housekeeping on the air. I like it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm the editor, so this this is all getting cut out. I don't think we've started yet. Seeing as how our guest just walked out, I hope <laughs> I don't think we did. Yeah. No. Are you going to do it, Sean, or you want me to do it? I was waiting for you to say something funny that I could then jump in halfway through and interrupt you with the <laughs> introduction you. to the show, but that didn't work at all. So, hi, everyone. How's it going? Welcome to Nashville CA. This is your double feature, double weekly podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking today about your next and can't hardly wait. And I don't know which order we're going to be talking about them. Uh, but with me, as always, is my intrepid co-host, Josh. Hello, Josh. How are you? Hi, Sean. I am doing well tonight. We're doing an evening recording today, and yet I still just had a coffee. I just swigged down the last of it. So uh, I hope this is a long one because I've got a lot of energy to expend before I go to bed. Well, that seems like you're in good company then because our guest... Our friend Tay is also drinking a nighttime coffee, mm-hmm. and I have deep concerns for both of your behalves. <laughs> yeah, I'm going... Hi, Tay. How's it going? Oh, man. I am doing well. Uh, yeah, I'm having my nighttime coffee. Uh, trademark, Josh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, it's not half-calf or anything. It's a full-fledged coffee, so here we go. Ooh. So here we go. We're bringing it tonight. Bringing um, the heat. T- Tay, you chose Can't Hardly Wait, and in response to that, I, first of all, I adore Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, it's a huge part of, like, my childhood, kind of, but I chose Your Next as a pairing because they're both movies with, like, ensemble casts that take place in a big house, and I don't know if there's anything really to this pairing. <laughs> it was kind of a weird pairing, but I love both these movies. So, Tay, why did you end up choosing Can't Hardly Wait? Um, man, I mean, you guys kind of opened it up to me as it, there are really, there really wasn't any parameters or anything. So I was just trying to think of something that um, I could maybe talk about and also something that I really wanted to see and also something that I had just purchased on iTunes because of cheap charts. So <laughs> it was a, it was a triple decker for me there on that decision. Tay and I can talk about our mm. cheap charts addictions. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's really bad. And how What's much cheap charts? Uh, cheap charts is a, a website or an app, depends on how you access it, that alerts you when um, uh, digital media has dropped in your your store of choice. So it's for me. It's hooked up to, to the Apple movies. And every day I get a, a laundry list of what is on sale on Apple movies. Yeah, I have check you it lost... every morning. Yeah. It's Have you lost possession of any movies yet that you've purchased on there? Okay. I'm I think that I did years ago, and the problem is now that my collection is so large, <laughs> I don't know where things are anymore. And wow. so there there are times that I will go, I'm like, "Oh, um the the Batman movies just dropped, and then I'm like, oh shit! I already own all four all four of the the OG Batman series, so I don't need to purchase that 
that pack again. So when you say lost, what do you mean? Uh, I mean, uh, well, for me, I was I meant like just because you purchase a movie through Amazon or whatever, if uh-huh. they lose the rights to it, you no longer have ownership of it. So that that's kind of the approach I was coming from. I've never heard there's, that. There's a reason that I either want physical media or I want that file on my hard drive. Yes. I just I don't trust ownership of things that exist only in the cloud. They, they will totally yoink things. Um, and I used to follow another site that would tell you like what was getting pulled. Um, but is it a lot of stuff? I, not a whole lot. It caused a big uproar when it first happened and people mm-hmm. realized things were missing. And I think there's been more controversy around uh, people losing stuff on their Kindle, like building up two huge to be read piles on their Kindles and then things just going away from it. Wow. Uh, yes, but it's it definitely is a problem. And over the past few days, I actually have had some circumstances where I'm like, I'm pretty sure I already had Hateful Eight. And why am I purchasing it again? Because it's because it's three ninety nine, and yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm purchasing it again. Because cheap charts told me that it was on sale. Yeah, but uh, apparently I didn't have it. So yeah, and my thing it's it's a bit of a compulsion now because I'm like not buying alcohol anymore. So I'm like, hey, here's that eleven dollars that I normally would have spent today. Mm-hmm. I can spend three dollars on a movie that I'll yep. watch next year. It'll be awesome. It's like what they say, when you buy lottery tickets, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. But when you buy drugs and alcohol, you always lose. <laughs> you win for a little while. That's an American Pie quote. Or not, oh God, American, American movie. movie. American movie. American, American movie. movie, excuse me. I would have picked American Pie if I'd known that you were such a big fan. I don't want to <laughs> talk about American Pie. <laughs> I've lost my taste for like, those raunchy comedies, mm-hmm. the Fairly Brothers stuff, and everything. Yeah. The 2000s uh, gross out comedies. Yeah, they were. They were just oh. real icky, icky, gross movies. Where it's like, oh, wouldn't it be fucked up if a guy drank jizz <laughs> in a beer? <laughs> I might edit that. I, I believe the first American Pie movie was the first. Um, uh, uh, otherwise sourced movie that I watched ever when I, I went to visit a friend at a, at a neighboring college and he had uh, uh, obtained movies from the dark web as oh, it were. Cool. And so I, I think that was the, the first one that I watched that it was, we watched that in Detroit rock city uh, wow. in the same evening, which was a pretty good double feature when you're like 18 or whatever. I really like Detroit rock city still. Yeah. I watched it on an airplane fairly recently. I loved it. Um, Sean, you mentioned earlier that you like to have physical media or movies on your hard drive. How do you get movies on your hard drive? Oh, but I, uh, that's also a lie. I hate physical media now. I, <laughs> I own almost none of it. When I moved from San Francisco, I had DVD books and I just left them out on the corner of the street, hoping that like some 13 year old would come by and swipe them and then have his mind blown by all the weird DVDs and burned DVDs I had. Uh, <laughs> I'm just how trying to get, get you to admit to hard- downloading. What are, you, what are you, the cops? Yeah. What are you talking about? How do I get movies on the hard drive? I'm not answering that shit. You can DM me in private. Okay. And I'll tell you there. There's, right, there's so sources. We, we, we have got, friends. Cool. We got two movies here, boys. 
yes. We got a real goofy ensemble comedy one. And we got uh ensemble black comedy home invasion. Do we go light and dark or do we go dark and light? I I kind of think light than dark again. I agree. And it it'll actually work this time. Oh yeah, you mean I won't end up bawling my eyes out at the end of the the light movie that you picked? Yes. Yeah, I I made the mistake of calling um, "It's a Wonderful Life" a light movie last time, and oof, (laughs) that movie is a tough watch. Oh, uh, Sean, I I have to say, first of all, I think of you every time I go to the theater uh, because I like to get there in time to watch all the previews and I realize you would be standing in the lobby um, milling about for 15 minutes before the movie started. No, I'm even weirder than that. I close my eyes and cover my ears when there's a trailer of a movie that I want to see. So I just, I just found out that Gene Siskel used to do the same thing when he and Ebert would go to the movies. Ebert reported that Siskel would put his fingers in his ears and stare at his shoes until the previews were over. Good man. So you're yeah, in good people company. People are like, oh my god, the Northman trailer. I'm like, yeah, I'm not fucking watching that, because that's a guarantee I'm going to see that in the theaters. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah. I, I'm not going to watch a second of that. There's some stuff like that that, lately I've been, it's been kind of getting on my nerves, like, like today, the, I guess The Matrix came out, and for some reason I don't even like hearing if people think it's good or bad. Like, it's just like, I hear, I, I, I hear it's good, or I hear that it's not what what people have expected you know and that's kind of getting on my nerves lately i don't know why i guess okay, i don't I'll... look forward to too many new movies so the ones that i do look forward to i kind of really don't like to hear much my favorite theatrical experience is going in like super blind the blindest i've ever gone into a movie was ready or not that was one where i i heard like that movie came out in theater because I think because the hunt, that movie that got oh, yeah, yeah. dumped out of theaters, got dumped, and so they bumped up Ready or Not, and so just on a whim I went and checked that one out because I heard it was horror, and I freaking loved that movie too. Um, that was one of my choices also for this idea of just a big ensemble cast at a big empty house having a party kind of thing. That would have been a good good choice. Both both great choices. Sean's a, a very good chooser. Eh, I'm hit or miss. <laughs> I said, well, it's like this one. It's like I I really like both these movies, but I think as a double feature, I don't know how well they lead into each other. If you sat down and watched these back to back in three hours, mm. yeah. Yeah, I don't think I would have done that. Did you do that? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No, I never do that with our movies. So it's not really, I don't know what, it, it's not really a double feature if I never watch them back to back. Sure. Sometimes I do when I'm really, really procrastinating and I'm watching the movies right up before we record, then I end up doing that. Yeah, I think I've done it uh, where I've done the morning of a recording gotten up really early and done done two of them back to back Ooh, i may do that tomorrow i don't have to go to work that sounds nice 
get up extra early. I really enjoy a morning movie, but I'm completely brain dead in the morning. So I spend 30 minutes looking for something and then I end up running out of time, like literally every day. It sucks. This happens, this happens a lot. A lot. So what, what you need to do is make yourself a, a, a watch list mm-hmm. and then you just go to the next one on the list. If, if you don't pick anything within like five minutes, mm-hmm. just go to the next one on the list. So it's like you scroll for a minute and then you're uh-huh. like, shit, I'm, I know I'm going to get sucked into this thing. That's my life hack for getting movies watched because otherwise I would spend every night after Elizabeth falls asleep, just mindlessly scrolling. Yeah. But since I made myself some lists, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm doing my spaghetti Westerns now. So I know what the next movie to watch is. Sweet. Yep. That's, that's a good idea. I also like on letterbox, you can file by runtime. Mm-hmm. So I can be like under 90 minutes, this genre, is it streaming? Bam. And it's usually like two or three things. So, yeah. That, uh, I, I mean, we should get some, some kind of, um, kickback from letterbox because mm-hmm. we, I do make sure to mention it every single episode. <laughs> well, it's my favorite <laughs> website. It's great. Yes. Are we starting with can't hardly wait? Is that what we decided? We yeah. are. Oh yeah. Which can't hardly wait might be, uh, it might have beaten, uh, strange brew for the least amount of comprehensible notes that I've taken on a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so can't hardly wait is a, I believe 1998, uh, film directed by Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfont who have only written and directed two movies together. And for me, they have a perfect track record because it was this and Josie and the Pussycats. And that's fantastic. That's a fantastic record right there. I love that movie. I didn't know that until I was looking at their IMDb last night. And I get it now because they have a certain vibe. Their movies just go, really. They're they're really great together. So I'm not surprised to hear that they have another banger out there. Uh, Sean, what is your, your history? You mentioned that it was a big part of your, your growing up. Was this, was this to you what like, um, uh, 16 candles or pretty in pink or breakfast club was to me? Probably. I, uh, this movie came out, I was 12, 11 or 12 years old. I think I was fifth or sixth grade. And this was one of those, um, playground movies where like the kid that saw it in the theater would just like talk about it you mm-hmm. know it's like one of those movies where like you just crowded around and just like listen to like the story that this kid told about it and would you like to touch my penis and like all these different <laughs> memories that like everything was built up before i ever saw this movie and i probably saw it you know when it came out on vhs six or eight months later but <clears throat> You know, by that time I was maybe 13 and it was just like, oh, this is what high school is going to be. Like, it, it, I almost looked at it like it was a guidebook or like a future plan of like, OK, this is what high school is really like these days. Like, it's not like dazed or confused or like these old, older movies. This is what it's going to be like. Nerds singing <laughs> Paradise City and debaucherous parties and jocks and it just... And none of it's true. I mean, this is 
this is insane. This movie. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just everything's magnified and blown up. But I love it. I think, I think the casting of this movie is amazing. And so for me, this is like just this is a really nostalgic movie that takes me back to just like childhood and looking forward to growing up or pretending to be a grown up when you're just 17 years old. That's I definitely I want to get back to the cast in a second after we go with uh, Tay. And what is your history? What was the first time that you saw this thing that you can remember? I I'm the same age as Sean. So this is probably what'd you say? What what year is it? 98? 98. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we were 12, 11 when that came out. So I'm pretty sure I went to the movie theater to see this. Um, <clears throat> this is just right up my wheelhouse. I think they marketed a lot of this on MTV too, which I mm-hmm. just pretty much just broke the knob off my TV on. So I just was totally inundated with that and completely in love with Jennifer Love Hewitt. So I was just not, there's no chance I was going to miss this movie. And um, yeah, just same thing Sean said, just all the the high school stuff and that was going to be me in a few years and I'm going to get to experience all that stuff. And it's just, you know, one of those movies that I keep going back to because um, I, I my parents, they never bought me VHS a lot. They were like real into like renting movies. They didn't want to buy it because, it, you know, she's like, how many times are you going to rent this twice? We'll just rent it twice. But this is actually one that I got for my birthday. I remember that. and. Um, so I have seen this movie a lot, and but I don't have any specific um, instances of where and when mm-hmm. I saw it. That's for me. Uh, I was I had graduated the year before, um, and it, this came out just after my nineteenth birthday. Um, so I was and I was like home from uh, college over the summer and. Most of my friends, because I I graduated a year early, uh, most of my friends were in the grade underneath me. So I was still like in with them. So this was like very much in the in our zeitgeist. And there are lines like, uh, I can't feel my legs. I have no legs. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah. damn, why you got to be wasting my flavor? Oh, yeah. Uh, shit like that had like became memes in our in our group uh at that point and i i bet to this day i could probably call up mike stonkey and we could have a conversation about this movie because i'm sure there were multiple times when we were like hanging out uh dicking around on guitars with this movie on in the background oh yeah it's a great hangout movie yep um yeah, there's just so many different like vignettes almost that you can just kind of just throw it on at any point and there's something you can kind of lock into. You stop paying attention, something else happens and I love it. Uh such an easy movie to jump in and out of. Mm-hmm. Each scene is like 3 minutes max. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it just mm-hmm. it washes over you. It's it, it you know, I I like how it jumps around cuz it does kind of feel like that party environment where you go to the keg room or whatever, and then to the bathroom and then upstairs and just bouncing around all these places and all the people you run into. This movie also definitely reminds me of like that fear of high school coming to an end and just like things are, things are changing from this point on as far as like these party days are 
we're all going to come back like freshman year for Christmas and stuff after college, but then eventually people stop coming home and that whole scene just slowly dissolves. Um, Ooh, that was really so, sad. So this, well, this, well, that's like that guy, the guy who's obsessed with memories and the, uh, the girl who's the yearbook girl. Mm-hmm. Clarissa. And at the end, the, I, I like that they, yeah, Clarissa. I like that they end up uh, together at the end at the oh, diner. Yeah. But uh, those two are kind of the embodiment of that fear of change. Eventually, That's... everyone stops coming home is very sad statement that I love. Right I, now. I didn't. I didn't mean it like no, that. No, no, I but... get it. No, it's very thoughtful. True. It's great. But this, uh, I mean, it picks up. It's in a tradition of movies, and there's like a direct. I believe correlation between the movies American Graffiti, uh, Days and Confused, and this film. The, all three of them are about like the last day of high school or the day before everyone leaves. Um, it, you know, as teenagers, uh, they cover one night. They're all like very similar vibes, just for different generations, but they all. Even this one, which is mostly a straight comedy, has a little bit of melancholy, I think, that is evidenced by um, partially the fact the the Matthew Sweet song that they use that is basically uh, Preston and Amanda's theme. They use the instrumental version, that little bass line that gets played over and over from the intro of the Matthew Sweet song. It's kind of a more melancholy little tune than the Blink-182 or the Rob Zombie song that gets played or whatever. Oh shit! I forgot about Rob I, Zombie. <laughs> I adore that Matthew Sweet song. Oh, Farther yes. down, it's so good. I've been uh, listening that's to one the I'm, I'm listening. Yeah, I, I'm planning that one for open mic. Uh, there's like four power chords. Basically, it's super easy. Um, mm-hmm. Sweet. But I had I had this soundtrack also when oh, I was yeah. a kid, and so I also remember distinctly like basically like uh, taking a shower and just like. Being in the shower, listen, and that was like one of my only times where I would like blast music and stuff and take the time to not do anything except listen to music. And this was on a lot with uh, Buster Rhymes and Blink 182. I was a huge Blink 182 kid being from San Diego. Um, and that's another thing is like this movie is needle drop after needle drop, it's <laughs> it's like it's an avalanche of needle drops. And yet I think every single one works for the scene that it sets up. Mm -hmm. And okay. So this was one of my, my planned tangents that I already had. Um, Personally, I was already a huge Matthew sweet fan um, starting with his album, hundred percent fun from back in 95. Uh, And I went like both ways with his discography. As soon as I found that album, I bought everything I could find from before. Um, which he had like two synth pop kind of records and then his middle period of this, like just guitar driven uh, kind of bubblegum pop stuff that he did. Um, and then I was a really big third eye blind fan as well. So I was never a blink One Eighty Two guy except for this song, except for uh damn it. Uh, even though they use uh, two or three of their songs, I believe in the soundtrack um, that one on the actual soundtrack uh, CD was the one that I was a huge fan of and got sucked into over and over again. Oh yeah. Completely obsessed with Blink-182. Damn it was probably the first 
mm-hmm. exposure to them. Is that off Dude Ranch? Is that like an early? It was. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I have a funny anecdote about that. It was a classic Tay anecdote. My uh, the first time I went to a friend's house who had Napster, I remember seeing him like download music, and he had downloaded "Damn It" the song, and it was on his home. It was on his um desktop or whatever. And we went outside to go talk to some neighbor kids and we came back in and his mom had like seen his computer and was like, <laughs> what's this? And he was like super strict parents. And he was like, oh, that's that's the song called Demit. And she was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, it's called Demit. It's not it's just spelled like that. So <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. Nice try. I, I still remember my friend coming to school and be like, my mom threw my Outcast CD out last night. It was the one with Mrs. Uh, sorry, Miss Jackson. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it wasn't that song. It was one of the other songs. She heard it and she snapped the CD in half. <laughs> I'm really I waited, glad I, I wanted. I wanted to get Slipknot CD and somehow I got... I knew like with mom seeing like parental discretion advised and stuff and like, all those masks on the album it would be a tough sell but i knew if i got dad somehow to go to the store dad just like wasn't paying attention right and so we went to target one day and that's how i was able to get my hands on the self-titled slipknot cd as like a seventh grader and started spiking my hair with this white gel that was like elmer's glue and my hair would set hard mm. spikes and i spiked the sides too so i just had like a sonic the hedgehog like porcupine head it was like a 13 year old listening to slipknot trying to be older than i was <laughs> there's a um, there's a bit of new metal in the soundtrack there there's some new metal sprinkled in so they kind of mm-hmm. got a lot of the music from that era in there there's some hip-hop there's some 80s stuff there's some 90s stuff it's really great yeah but, we got like dire straits in here it's it's a really eclectic mix uh but my favorites i was also a big dog's eye view fan which this is like one of the only places that their music pops up is on uh this cd uh because adam duritz from counting crows wore a dog's eye view shirt on the cover of rolling stone magazine when they got their picture taken for it. And I was like, so obsessed with counting crows. I was like, I need to be obsessed with whatever bands that guy's obsessed with. And so I went down that, that rabbit hole. Uh, and then of course the replacements, the, the titular song, or the, I guess the, the song where the namesake comes from, uh, that's one of the best pop songs of all time. As far as I'm concerned, can't hardly wait is like top tier, just garage rock pop goodness. It's a perfect song. Yeah. And Thanks it's, to Meet Me is a, just a perfect record in general. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm really growing to love the replacements as of late. Mm. Yes. The, and for me, it was the thread of, uh, it was Matthew, started with Matthew Sweet and then went back to Big Star because he had members of Big Star play on his albums um, at that time. And then Alex Chilton coming out of Big Star and replacements have a song called Alex Chilton about. So it was like this big interconnected web of music that I loved that really was good for like pounding on a Stratocaster too. Oh yeah. Do you know Alex Chilton plays a guitar lick on can't hardly wait the song? Oh yeah. 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 Yep. It's pretty sweet. 
Sean, can you hear so you my dog chewing uh, her bone? Jump into this? Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you hear that? Uh oh. yeah. She stopped. No, not now. That's because she stopped and now she's coming over to get pets. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. My was, dogs are gonna what do that was happening. She was chewing on her bone, like in the middle of my in the middle of my office here. Oh. Eh. A little dog noise in the background every now and then never hurt anyone. It's bound to happen on this show. As long as we're not eating into the microphone, as one cast member on a <laughs> show I listen to has been doing lately. Oh, when God. Freedom, when Freedom did their taste test of M&M's, oh my God. I, I almost lost my mind. I, I, I don't know who <laughs> greenlit this idea, but they should be slapped. <laughs> uh. So... This movie starts right away, we're at the graduation ceremony, and we get a lot of background information, kind of through the Greek chorus, uh, that there's a huge party happening, Mike and Amanda have broken up, and, uh, and then we get our introduction to Ethan Embry, who is our main character named Preston. His senior quote is, beware of any endeavor that requires new clothes, by Henry David Thoreau. Of course. Uh, what was your guys' senior quote? I was talking to my wife about this, and I, I don't think we did that. I, I didn't have anything like that. And if we did, I probably just forgot to do it, if I'm being honest. So, <laughs> I didn't have one. Uh, Josh? Yeah, I think... I don't think I did one. I do know that in my senior yearbook, uh, myself and I believe Quinn Fletcher decided to wear the same sweater in our actual printed yearbook photo. Cause you know, you do like a whole photo shoot for your senior photos, but the ones we chose, we were both wearing the same fucking sweater and we looked like <laughs> dorks because we're like on the page right next to each other, right, right, right above and below each other wearing the same sweater. Like we planned it. It was stupid. <laughs> you nerds. <laughs> I know I'm not bitter about it. It's fine. My quote was, Oh yeah. Well, the jerk store called, and they're running out of you. <laughs> no way. I swear to God, it's a Seinfeld line. I know. I was real, I was real into Seinfeld. Um, I think who really steals this movie for me this time is Lauren Ambrose as his best friend, Denise. I love her performance in this movie. So, Tay, you mentioned earlier that you were a big mm-hmm. uh, JLH fan. Yeah especially at the time for me, like this was my first exposure to her. Cause I didn't watch the TV show and I've never seen, um, uh, I know what you did last summer, but Lauren Ambrose. W- oh my God, Lauren Ambrose. Yeah. Then. And now on the show servant still, I'm like, she's wound up in, in crazy, but Lauren Ambrose. Yeah. She's a babe. I, yes. I, I, especially on this, what this watch, like as an, adult man i'm like wait this is actually who i would have tried <laughs> to profess my love to at the party i don't know what 100 yeah. percent. she's so cool and i love that she laughs at him when yeah. he's taking himself too seriously or inflating things and she's just the way she's playing it is just more natural she's not quite just doing a stiff line reading but mm-hmm. just letting it feel a little bit more realistic i i don't know but noticing her performance this time i was like preston are you blind yes. you have like I love, everything you want right here i love how their relationship it, they they say pretty quickly that they used to date each other or whatever in like yeah. junior high 
So that's like a really yeah. cool specific that they're friends now because they tried to make it work as a couple or whatever. As much as a couple you can be in middle school or whatever. I know. I love that. Like we 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 were in a relationship because yeah. we went out for a week in seventh grade. Right? <laughs> yes. But this movie also makes me laugh because these kids all definitely think they're so grown up. Yes. All these kids think like, oh, remember four years ago when we were kids and you smashed all that food on my plate and I ate it for a dollar? Weren't we crazy back then and now we're all grown up? It's like, no, 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 no. You're, you're still dumb kids. You just don't realize it. <laughs> so uh, who, I mean, this cast is is stacked, like front to back. All of these people, uh, all of our main players, especially, have gone on to do other things. Um, a lot of people were in Six Feet Under together, uh, which was kind of cool. Um, and uh, Donald Faison as the, the drummer for the band, of course, went on to do Scrubs for years. And every time he pops up in anything, I'm always like just excited because he's such a charming dude. Um, Ethan Embry. Uh, I think between this, uh, that thing you do where he plays TV player uh, and Empire Records, like that's a perfect casting of like my late adolescence right there, like capturing of it within his three, three major films he did. Ethan Embry steals the show in, in Vegas Vacation. Yes. Which oh, is yeah. not a very good movie. But everyone remembers Nick Papa Giorgio with fondness. Uh, everyone I talk to is like, that movie sucks. But man, that Ethan Embry bit, that's pretty good when he keeps winning cars and he's oh, yeah. becoming a high roller. Yeah, that's like the ultimate fantasy. It's just like, oh, I, I'm a kid and I want all this stuff. I, I just his thing that he does in this movie, and it starts off real early when he's He's explaining the story of the first day that he met Amanda, and then they're sitting in the class, and he's staring straight down the lens of the camera talking about Pop-Tarts, and his, he kind of is like twitching his eyes a little bit, and he, he, he's kind of tight-jawed where he's, he's talking, but it's kind of stilted and a little, it's a mm -hmm. little, he just has this thing, and it's so dialed in, but I love it, because it just makes him like so infinitely endearing and adorable to me i don't know i just i love this performance so much because this could be a really creepy dude especially yeah. in modern terms of a yeah. guy who's been love struck for four years over a woman who he's never even talked to um but i don't really like looking at this movie with that context <laughs> yeah, because ethan Embry pulls it off yeah so i really just buy him as a love struck heart sick kid and can we kid. can we talk about the pop tart thing for a second he so he was saying that they were both sitting there eating a pop tart right mm -hmm. and he's eating a strawberry pop tart and she pulls out a strawberry pop tart that's just the most popular pop tart like i mean <laughs> if she pulled out i mean what are the chances ethan okay if I've, she pulled out a s'more flavored pop tart right. then i would say maybe or fate the, is involved or the teal and purple blueberry one okay my note here was to ask you guys what the correct Pop-Tart choice is, because it's not strawberry. It's cherry. Oh, my God. Tay, what kind of man are you? <laughs> That's that is a bold choice right there. A cherry. I never I never considered the cherry Pop-Tart. 
I choose no Pop-Tart. They are disappointing every time. Sean is a curmudgeon and doesn't yeah. like Pop-Tarts. He's out. <laughs> Cinnamon. Cinnamon Pop-Tarts oh, is the those correct are really choice. Good, yeah. Yes. That is that is my comfort food. Eat when my little tummy hurts, a cinnamon Pop-Tart makes me feel all better. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. A cinnamon Pop-Tart cannot be good for a stomach ache. Oh, it's great. Just It just that's pushes, like, it pushes, it does this, it pushes everything down. That's like fighting a chemical fire with gasoline. <laughs> exactly. I, you wouldn't use more chemicals. I I kind of understand what he's saying, though, because it's like, it's not necessarily medicinal. It's just that you like it and you know it's not going to make you vomit. Like, yeah, I can eat a hamburger when I'm sick because I know it's just going to make my brain feel better. And then hopefully the other things start to follow. It's like the the next step more complicated uh, food wise from a cracker. Uh, you know, like you eat your oyster cracker when you're when you're not feeling well is the cinnamon pop tart. It's very bland. It's heavy. It kind of weighs everything down. It binds you up pretty good, I think. See, now you're talking my language with oyster crackers. Mm hmm. Oyster crackers, that's a meal. When I was sick the little other oyster day, cracker, you, you texted, little like, s- pick up some oyster crackers. Yeah, oyster crackers and 7-Up or ginger ale yeah. was, when I was sick, that was the my mom's remedy. Um, So, for you guys, you mentioned this was uh, early, it was sort of middle school time for you. For me... There's this big shock once we get to the party and I see how everybody is dressed because everyone in my grade dressed like John Hughes characters. Everyone had on like like bulky sweaters and uh, flannels and somewhere between um, like something from the 1970s and grunge. That's where we were. And then all the kids younger than me dressed like. Um, Kenny in this movie <laughs> or all the girls dressed like in those in the strappy tops and everything and we were much more I, I feel like conservative at, the, at that point in time this rang true not Kenny's outfit was a bit ridiculous mm-hmm, mm-hmm. although his although I do remember some kids wearing Jenko jeans uh, which were like I, what? How would you I, just two two cylinders of denim? How would you describe <laughs> Jinko jeans? Jinko jeans are four jeans worth of jean in one jean. <laughs> and my mom, she like, she was really cool with like letting me get out there with some fashion weird shit, letting me get it over with or whatever. But for some reason, that's where she drew the line. She was just like, "This looks bad." Like I, I'm just really pulling the full veto here. So I never got a pair of Jinkos, and now I'm very thankful because they look stupid. That's I never went full Jinko. Uh, around this time, I had I'm a Levi's guy, as we all might be at different times in our lives. I've pretty much <laughs> devoted to Levi's, uh, but they had like a stovepipe leg. It wasn't as big as a Jinko, but it was in the same field. And I would frequently wear them whilst rollerblading around <laughs> campus. <laughs> cool. Yeah. With my Discman listening to Everclear. Oh, man. So, I mean, that paints a, a portrait of ninety eight, ninety nine right there. The baggy jean thing always bugged me because I hated when, like, my bottom of my pants would hit the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, that drove me insane. 
Like, I don't know why. So I've always been like kind of a tighter jean guy. That's I used to walk the excess length off of my jeans and just be fine with it. And over the last few years, I've become a tighter jean guy. Mm-hmm. It's like a, uh, I think it's a, it's a 513 or something. I wear the exact same jeans all the time. Like every nine to 12 months, I go back and buy two new pair. <laughs> and that's just, that's my cycle. And that's what I'm stuck with now. Cause this is what makes my butt look good. According to my wife. So nice. Yeah. I keep trying to convince myself I'm a 32 inch leg length. But I'm really a thirty. Uh-huh. But I keep buying thirty twos, and I keep Sean. I'm a when I'm in boots. Link. It's okay. You, well, you, uh, are you? Yeah, that's what I wear. I mean, you're five ten, also, right? Oh yeah, when I was in when this movie came out, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, then maybe I'm a thirty. But yeah, I've I have a couple pairs of jeans where I've cut just like a giant horseshoe out of the back of them yep. where I healed through them and uh Yeah, hey, you can you can all you can never go wrong with a with a small cuff. I I like a I like a little cuff from time to time. Yeah, I rock the cuff. I I bought some black ones uh because I wanted a darker pair and they were oversized both in waist and in length. Uh so you know what? My wife doesn't like them. They don't make my butt look good because they're too mm. saggy. But I did cuff them, and I, I kind of like it. It's like wearing pajama pants around. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to hang out with Mike Dexter and his boys next, I believe, where oh, Mike yeah. Dexter tells them all the plan is that let's dump our girls so that way we can just party all summer and then have a gigantic college orgy. And uh, I love the cut where it goes, Mike Dexter is a god. Mike Dexter is a role model. And then we get introduced to uh, William Lichter, who says, Mike Dexter is an asshole. <laughs> so, Great character introduction. So Mike Dexter's second in charge guy, the Mike Dexter's a role model dude. Mm-hmm. Who does he remind you guys of? He reminds me of Garrett Dillahunt, where oh. I've had to look up to see if that was him. This guy looks so familiar, but I cannot... I don't know who he is. So I don't know if it's the way he looks, but the way he sounds, he sounded just like Steve Zahn to me. Oh, he, he looks he looks a little Zahnish too. Mm-hmm. And Mike Dexter is straight up Tom Cruise, like yes, like almost. Yeah, who's exactly. uh, Peter Facinelli? Facinelli. Facinelli. Your name's sorry, but uh, I, don't, I don't know what he's been in. Peter Facinelli. I've seen him around TV, he, probably. He was he's famously the uh, the Cullen's father in uh, the oh. Twilight series. Oh, wow. Yes. Sexy vampire. Yes. Wait, he's their dad? Yes. He's he's Dr. Uh, I don't remember his first name, but Dr. Cullen. Dr. Frankenstein. Yes. Um, wow, so, that's cool. So William has kept all of the evidence of his destroyed science experiments and uh putting jeans <laughs> he's holding on all this shit for years he never washed uh, what the do jeans. you think what my, do you think about his friends and their plan to chloroform mike and his friends so this comes one of my favorite lines that hits the deepest 
here is when William says, I had planned to go to the 3D film festival and Mike beamed me with a raisin and I had to wear an eye patch. I went to the festival, but I saw no third dimension. <laughs> I love that line. And uh, I think for being an outcast, William's a little homophobic. I don't yeah. like this part. It's a little, it's his not dated as well. Uh, what, the plan to strip them close and pose Just, them as gay? Yes, yes. And then the fact at the end of the movie, Mike gets fired from his job because these <laughs> photos surfaced. Yes. Uh, yeah, we might as well address that there's also a couple of very late 90s homophobic slurs and one inward, which I... <laughs> completely forgot about and i just this this movie it blanked out in blink 182 damn it did you hear he fucked her it mm -hmm. blanked out that but it has the, the f word in. and the n word wow. multiple times yes Ugh. um so their chloroform that they have looks like it's from reanimator it's glowing green <laughs> it look, it's like ecto cooler <laughs> Yeah, it looked like uh, they got that cup with that stuff from Taco Bell or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and his his two dudes, so they're into the X-Files, Star Trek, and Star Wars. Is that their three things that they reference all the time? Yes. See, yeah. See, I like uh, Star Trek and Star Wars. I've never been able to get into the X-Files, and I've tried oh. so many times. I don't know if it's an age thing or whatever, but... Oh, this the X Files during this time. I got introduced to the X Files my first first time at college in '98. So earlier this year, or I guess it was '97, end of '97, beginning of '98. Uh, I think it was on season three or four of the X Files at that point because we didn't have Fox where I grew up. <laughs> we only had three channels, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS. That's all we oh, had. Yeah. So. When I went to college and then I started getting tapes from a girl I was dating because she was obsessed with it. And uh, ever since then, my one of my dogs was named Scully. Sweet. Um, yeah, I'm big, big fan. Big I've only seen the it. movies. I've never seen. I've seen <laughs> oh one episode. Gosh. Weird. You know, I've seen one episode is actually one that Vince Gilligan directed, which I think is cool. Oh, it's with, the one where with you Cranston. the guy has to keep going west yes. or his head's going to explode. Yep. Uh, I watched that one as a kid. I don't remember why, but that stuck with me. And so it was funny to listen to the Better Call Saul podcast, you know, a year or two ago mm -hmm. and hear him talk about that episode with Cranston on it. Yeah. The, the whole reason that Breaking Bad came about the way that it did was because of their chance meeting on an X-Files episode is wild. Like, I love that fact. You know what else is wild? Uh, Seth Green in this movie. Oh, man. he's on another level. He, he's so good. He's the best. He's so good in this. Between like, this and Idle Hands, like I was just like the biggest Seth Green mm -hmm. guy. He was just so good in this era. Do you uh, like Airborne? That's another oh, yeah. Seth Green one from around this time. It's, Josh, you don't know Airborne? Is Airborne? Is that a Disney? Kind of. No, it's like a California kid moves to Cincinnati, and so he shows up with his surfboard and steps out onto the tarmac, and it's snowing. Okay. So he has to take up hockey and rollerblading as his new passion, and he falls in love with a girl who's the late the the school jock's sister. Jeez. But he actually ends up winning the trust of the school jock 
But then there's a gigantic race down Devil's Backbone oh my God. against the yes. rival school. And then, yeah, I, you know, Seth Green's in it. A young Jack Black is in it. It's a great I, movie. I do know this movie. Uh, I remember watching it at the time. And it was, um, for me, it was almost a ripoff of Rad. Because yes. Rad was the one when I was younger. So this was like the new sport version of it. And I always wanted to like do a downhill race like they do in Airborne. Uh, although I would have died. I am not nearly sure. athletic enough. I, I would be a skeleton or a ghost talking <laughs> to you right now. Everyone in that movie would have died. <laughs> not Snake. Snake would have survived. That's Tay. Um, Tay. What? I hadn't thought of Snake oh, yeah. from that movie in like 25 years. You just sent me. I forgot about Snake's existence. Cool. Snake was badass. Yeah, he was super cool. And um, I, go ahead. Oh, he said Disney. I think what you're thinking of is Brink. It's a similar. Yes. Of Brink. Yeah, it's yes. a rollerblading yeah. movie. So in this in this 7-Eleven or whatever, we get uh, Kenny and his friends, but we also get. Uh, a great little cameo character, which is, I believe it's Shermanator from American Pie. <laughs> yes, it is. The kleptomaniac kid who's just in the background stealing shit throughout also, the course of the movie. He was um, Angus's friend in the movie Angus. Do you remember that movie? I remember yes. Angus, but I not specifically. He was bullied, and uh, Dawson from Dawson's Creek threw him in a dumpster and broke his arms. I remember that. That's all I remember. <laughs> Our next scene is when I got is when Ethan Embry hears uh, Mandy on the radio in his car. Um, He is so corny. So. In addition to what your favorite music from the soundtrack was and what girl you would have gone after. From the cast of Can't Hardly Wait, tag yourself. Okay, that was this was on my notes. This is on this is one of my exercises I wanted to do, too. Okay, perfect. I think, uh, I think I, I think I'm a Denise. Hmm. Okay. I do. I think, uh, I yeah. think I have that little bit of that cynical line, but it's like, there's friendship there, but I'm a little cynical, a little salty. Uh-huh. I don't know. I, th- I also just think she's cool. So maybe I'm overestimating myself. You might be projecting a little bit. Yeah. I was thinking I about. Mean, I mean, I don't. I, I would say Ethan Embry, but like I'm not on his level of like wide-eyed optimism. Uh-huh. I was thinking about this when I was watching it, and I think I, I it's we haven't he hasn't been he hasn't come up yet, and he's not a big character. But if this was me in that time period, I definitely would have been the dude that was stoned by the pool, <laughs> like looking at getting Jason Siegel or the other one, the other guy, like okay. the guy, like the talking guy. to t-shirts. Yes. That guy. I definitely would have been like outside of the party, kind of doing my own thing with my own weird little crew of weirdos. Uh-huh. Tay, I was worried you were going to say trip McNeely. Oh yeah. Classic jock, huh? Mm hmm. But showing up at the is Trip McNeely the guy who shows back up to the party yes. after Jerry he graduates? O- Jerry O'Connell, yeah. yeah. The saddest character in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. He's got warts all over his feet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he does. He brings everything back down with that line. It's great. Yeah. What about you? Oh, I definitely would have been a Preston. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I honestly I'm, was going to say Sean was a Preston too. 
Sean, uh, Sean isn't as corny I, I know as I'm, I am. <laughs> but I'm sensitive like Preston. He is sensitive. But, but that's the thing. Denise is, too, underneath yeah. it. That's a good like, pool. She's got that, that veneer of, of toughness. Um, and, you know, I never had a, a Slipknot album myself. I did have I I wore a black leather jacket for many years, like Denise's. Uh, I was kind of obsessed with that, like way too long, like up until a couple of years ago. It was problematic after a while. <laughs> was that one of the contingencies of marriage? <laughs> I think it was actually my makeover uh, right before Elizabeth, like, and I noticed each other again on social media, like. There was a distinct line of me, like, wearing better fitting clothing, getting my hair cut, and buying my uh, my first pair of Bruce Lee-inspired footwear that I got active on social media, and that's when Elizabeth noticed me. So, there's something to it. And getting rid of the leather jacket was in that era, so. You just, you just weren't a, you weren't a bad boy anymore. No, I'm a, I'm, I'm a soft we figured out I'm a soft punk. Like that's where kind of where I land. It's a good, it's a good lane to be in. Yeah. You just made my heart sink, Josh. Cause I don't want to put in all that effort. <laughs> Why? Sean, you already have so many things. You have overalls. <sighs> I never had overalls. Mm-hmm. That's a good. You think light blue denim overalls are going to hook a yeah. young woman out there in the world? I do. The right one. Yes. Yeah, I that's know, a man. That's a that's a power move. That's a peacock. I used I mean I still wear metal shirts, but I used to wear death metal shirts in the hopes that one day I would meet a girl who had similar musical tastes as me. No, so you just like, meet you just meet other weird dudes who have the similar tastes as you. Oh, <laughs> uh, so you you've also worn metal shirts and you've also come across this phenomenon. Oh yeah, I meet a lot of a, a lot of uh, other loud men with my horror movie t-shirts all the time yes i did a lot of uh similar uh, although i was wearing the um uh not pulse what was the um norroy shirt the curse uh i had a the curse shirt on a couple weeks ago and this very like petite fragile woman at a grocery store who was stocking shelves was like my friends tell me i need to watch that movie is it really Whoa. good and i was like this is not the interaction i was expecting normally i get dudes who are like yeah man uh cool michael myers <laughs> but i was They're down like, for that hell yeah jason Voorhees. just pointing yes. at michael myers <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we get a huge needle drop of Eve Six Rendezvous. <laughs> this was a big song for me as a thirteen-year-old. Um, and then we get into it. We get a little one-second shot of people dropping their keys off in a bowl. Which yes. I don't know if that was just to like. That's make to not drive. Mothers against drug driving. Happy if like, look, we included this one shot of all the kids putting their keys in the bowl, so no one's driving. But. As we see later when the cops show up, everyone's driving. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I thought, I I was like, for a second, I was like, are they all going to go home and fuck each other? Is this like a weird key party thing? Or Kids don't do that. No, I mean, but kids, I mean, te- teens, not kids, uh, they can do whatever they want anyway, because they're not bound to each other, really, as is evidenced by big chunks of this movie. Like, 
the ones that are together kind of want to be together. And it's, you know, they're not stuck with their, their, their spouses during the ice storm. I got to go grab a cable real fast. It says my battery isn't charging. One okay. Okay. Is this the introduction of Preston's letter? Or are we up to that point? Uh, I don't remember when he introduces his letter. Okay. It's shortly after he gets, the party, he gets to the party. the party. It's after the party. Or during the party. When he first gets to the party. Okay, is it was when he said he's harnessing his chi? <laughs> yes. Um, before that, Amanda walks in, and we get her introduction, and it's a quote by Jewel that says, I'd like to see the world from another angle. Mm-hmm. They could have also used the quote by Jewel, you're a lady, you're a lady, you're a lady. <laughs> How long did you work on that? That was spot of the moment, but it was in my notes. Okay. Yeah. I, just, I, I didn't know if you did any vocal warm-ups to get that fine yodel out, because that <laughs> takes some doing. I hope people remember that J- Jewel yodeled. I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's, it's news today. The only thing I know about Jewel is she lived in her car for a spell. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I know. Uh, so... Amanda gets to the party, she's consoled by her girlfriends, and one of them says, he's not even Brad Pitt in 12 Monkeys with that weird eye when he's all dirty. He's not even that. (laughs) The girl, the girlfriends are great. Um, Jamie, what is her name? Jamie. Jamie Presley. uh, Presley, Presley, yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, they, there's like a little Greek course of the girlfriends there, and they're all uh the the best and worst i guess uh but she definitely stands out she was uh she was in that show with jason lee wasn't she yeah oh uh, my yeah. name, my is, name Earl. is Earl. yes yeah. yes yeah um so yeah kenny we get a shot of kenny's boys dancing on two <laughs> girls like they're in a night at the roxbury <laughs> that was 100% what that was <laughs> <laughs> Um, my next note is when Preston sits down next to Amanda and he's about to talk to her. And I love that she's enamored by him crossing his leg and kicking the candle over. And then his friend sits down and talks about how he was puking all over on their trip to the meatpacking plant. And she's clearly like, he can't tell, but she's, she's enamored by this. Yeah, she thinks it's cute. Okay. Yeah, she uh, was no. She she, was had, she had a genuine smile on her face. I I think she thought it was really cute. Uh, I had right before that William comes to the party and drinks his first beer and yells, "This beer has gone bad," which always cracks me up. Because that... I love that he's <laughs> using the blood alcohol chart to try to stay ahead of the game. Yes, <laughs> which very quickly just goes to to uh, fuzzy vision. Um, also, what was, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say the Ricky, uh, or no, it's not Ricky. The friend who always brings up the embarrassing anecdotes says, uh, Ricky hit that line drive. They hit you right in the nuts, which <laughs> cr- cracks me up. And then when Preston tries t- to deny that these things happen, he goes, bullcorn. I remember it. 
<laughs> so the hit you what right you, in the nuts you, thing that yes. that would be that would be that's a very famous line with me and my friends. Really, because the way he says nuts is just very guttural and weird. <laughs> I think in the credits, this guy is just named like guy who remembers things. Yeah, memory guy. Something like that. That's me in the Discord. I am the it's all about the memories, <laughs> man. So what? What was the weirdest or grossest field trip you guys went on? Because Preston went to a meat packing plant. Hmm. We went to a like a local jail. And just like got to look at prisoners and just like a dude oh that's just like hung over in there. And he's just like, don't do what I did. And I'm just like, okay, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's <a> scary. <laughs> he, had a, he had a scared straight scenario. Right. I, I don't think we did anything gross because I think um, Indiana is too bland and wholesome in a generic sense to have gross things. Uh, I mean, apart from, you know, animal slaughter for, from all the farms. Um, we went to uh, a place called Connor's Prairie and I think they did, they rendered beef tallow there, which is kind of grody. That's about as bad as we, we got. Went, we went to a sewage treatment plant. Oh, Ooh. Why? Mm-hmm. Is it? It was like we were going to these piers to check out some marine biology thing. So we might as well stop on the way home at the sewage plant. <laughs> it's like it's like a two for one field trip. I still don't know why, but I remember the smell and certain things that I saw. I mean, it nothing looks like anything because it's all just sledge yeah. at that point. But it. It's very obvious to the nose what it was. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I opened an experience. Um, somewhere in here, we get the introduction of the band Love Burger. Uh, well done. Burger. Love yes. Burger. Yes, it has an umlaut over the U. What is uh, your guys' past with, with high school bands or being in bands or playing music with your buddies that you... Did you do that at that at that age? I have no musical talent whatsoever, so I've never played music. But all my friends were in bands, so I was always mm-hmm. going to house shows and things like that. That was a big deal in our little town and our little scene. So I loved the little shitty band sting. Yes. When I lived in Colorado, I was friends with a few musicians. Um and they were music students, and so we were in a band. I did metal vocals, so growling and screams, and it was called Whoa. the Potato Skin Parade. And <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was avant-garde fusion metal. Is how <laughs> is how the guitarist described it, which oh. basically meant every single song would be eight genres. So it started with like a jazz bit and then there would be 30 seconds of like and then I'd be like and then it would go like and then and then it was bad. It was bad. 
<laughs> I just wanted to do the heavy shit. Yes. They wanted to do all of their like musical theory stuff that I had zero interest in. Yeah. <laughs> that's always funny. Wouldn't this like... be interesting if we did it in eight five time signature? No, it's... it just sounds like shit. <laughs> It's funny when you're like in your small town and there's only like a few people that are into certain things like that. So you just get this amalgamation of like everyone that like, you know how to play guitar. You can be in my band, but Mm -hmm. none of your tastes are the same. Like I have a theory that that's how ska started. Someone was just like, well, (laughs) we're like a good band. But then my little brother is super into trumpet. So can he fucking come? (laughs) Some mom is like, I'll leave you with your friend and you can play in the garage, but you have to take your brother. Right. And he's bringing his I trombone. Hope, I hope Ska started in I hope Ska started in New Jersey, because I'm pretty sure that's the accent I just went to. <laughs> uh, we next get introduced, uh, or not introduced, but Mike goes to check on his boys who are all supposed to break up with their girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And we get Freddy Rodriguez, who I know from other things, I don't know what, and when he talks about how her parents are out of town, and they have mirrors on the ceiling, uh-huh. he starts doing all of his humping positions, looking at himself. It's hilarious. I've, I've never understood, really, the... You just get to watch yourself have sex? I, I, don't, I don't really get the, the mirror thing. No? You gotta what? love yourself before you can love anyone else. <laughs> okay, RuPaul. <laughs> uh, one re- uh, repeating character that I really like is the party host. This poor girl. Why is she hosting this party? She has why no right. Why is this poor girl doing this to herself? There's no reason she I'd... should have done this. When she's crawling around on the floor, smelling people's shoes for shit after the curtains have been lit on fire, <laughs> she just oh, yeah. and her hair gets more and more disheveled as do her clothes. They almost burn the house get down. More and more like bug-eyed and bewildered. Uh, I really like her performance. That's. Did you ever go to a house party that uh, raged like this particular one does? No way. <laughs> not re- you know our house parties would be like 12 to 15 of us mm-hmm. um and that was a big one but it it was always self-contained within the group of people who were invited i never ha- i never went to one of these where it's just the word of mouth party that got yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger just the whole school's invited like that mm-hmm. that never happened really um or maybe it did and i just didn't get invited that's probably more likely <laughs> Yes. It probably did happen, but I was just home playing Madden on a Friday night. Sadden. <laughs> oh. uh, you know, looking back, I do have regrets. Let's just say. I thought it was right at the time. Oh, that sounds fun. The uh, It was. It was. The one time I went to something like this in college, I literally like walked in, walked through the house and out the back door and then looped around to the front and back to my car and left. I was like, Nope, this is, this is not for me. It is too hectic. It's pretty scary. Yeah. You just walk in and it's just a huge mass of people and it's just complete anarchy. Yeah. It's pretty wild. And it's, it's not like going to like a house show where everyone is there for a purpose and kind of facing the same direction and doing something like it is just chaos. 
Yep. Scary. I used to just plant myself either like kitchen was a good spot for me. Maybe near the keg was a, like a good hangout spot for me or on the side of a beer pong table watching the gameplay. I did like to play beer pong, but not at big house parties where I didn't know anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but stuff like that. I, I Anything I could do just to not be that. If if there's like a slightly passive activity I could be doing, I would try to do that so that way I didn't look completely awkward standing there by myself in the corner or whatever. Um, is this where Preston sees um, uh, Amanda and her cousin <laughs> through marriage when he sees uh, her getting no, macked uh, on? Uh, that's that's a bit later. Okay, we still we got uh, the brownie gets. When the girl throws the brownie and says this thing sucks, that brownie uh-huh. looked really good. Yeah, that was great. Uh, it was covered in icing. Yeah, it looked delicious. That's the guy from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Yes. Who gets who gets the axe pretty quickly. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was it. Um, it <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Seth Green has also gone upstairs to the bathroom to prepare to have sex with that one lady who is gonna hook up with anyone and when 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 he's doing all of his kama sutra stretches and getting condoms out and just it looks like he's preparing to go to war or something we we have to go back for a second because we did miss the why you gonna miss why you gonna mess my flavor damn or you know, why you gotta why why you all gotta waste my flavor damn right waste my yeah. flavor damn waste my love flavor. that line <laughs> yes <laughs> that's uh i don't know how I, i've seen a couple people mention in their letterboxd reviews that um uh, kenny is problematic now because he is appropriating black culture yeah. uh i i don't know if i by that line too much because he is clearly portrayed to be a dork the whole time the whole time yeah and he, he is not a person to aspire to be really uh like he's got no personality of his own and he only puts on fads like denise makes that very clear uh but he was probably the most quoted <laughs> out of this movie oh yeah <laughs> and he's as soon as he if she gives him any more attention, he's just going to start appropriating her thing. Oh, totally. Yes. He'd probably start listening to the cure pretty quickly there. Oh, immediately. (laughs) I don't know. My next note is William yelling. I have no legs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I can't feel my legs. I have no legs. Just cheering. So he's hammered Uh, at this point. The, The plan has completely gone off the rails. His buddies are just alone on the roof. They don't know what all to the do. cuts back to them. Yeah, when they're doing lightsaber battles, mm-hmm. or they're just talking about being scared because now they're in the dark after they lose the flashlight. <laughs> These two are very funny. Yeah, I feel bad though. Every time I'm like, you guys could just come inside, and yes, everyone's being really well, cool. Relatively, I have, earlier they say, William, if you don't drink, they're going to throw you out of there. And <laughs> he's like, it's okay, I have my card, and they're like. But you could get drunk or addicted, and <laughs> it's like, dude, if that was one thing when I when I was a kid, you know, the peer pressure of drinking was so massive. But thinking back on it, 
you could easily go to a party and just carry around a red solo cup with anything in it mm-hmm. and nobody would say a thing. Yeah. Uh the the curly-haired dude the the curly-haired nerd friend um I say that as a as a nerd uh has big Shelly from Friday the 13th part 3 vibes. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I was trying to remember what that guy I've seen that guy in too but it's just a bunch of little stuff. Yeah. Oh, Sean, um, earlier, oh, Freddy, Freddy Rodriguez. Oh, no. We lost Oh, Tay. no. Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's not, this does not bode well. No. Okay, we're back. All right. We are going to... He's, he's drunk, right? He, he has no legs. Yeah, yep. William's drunk. Uh, Mike's other boys are now dancing to the funky Cole Medina, and his boys are going to the Pearl Jam concert, so they're not breaking up with their girlfriends. Not until August, uh, at least. <laughs> and this is where, if we want to talk about Jennifer Love Hewitt's acting, I really feel like we only have two season, two scenes to gauge her acting off of. This one with her cousin is one where she talks about how in middle school she was a nobody and then she immediately became the popular girl because she dated Mike her first day of school. Mm-hmm. And then the end. They're kind of the only two scenes where... And the scene where she confronts Mike. She doesn't have a lot to do in this movie. I feel like the, the one right after she confronts Mike, that whole sequence is pretty good where she gets to tell off all the different guys. Uh culminating with Preston on accident, despite the fact that she is trying to find him. Speaking of Preston and earlier when we were talking about him, maybe being a bad guy, he just happens to be going for the prom queen and the most popular girl in school. Like, like if they're like doing like an NFL draft, like number one girl, (laughs) like that's your fucking baseline is the best one. You could, you could, Go down a little bit, dude. He's he's aiming very high, very high. But imagine just being in love with the most popular girl girl in school for four years, Mm -hmm. where you know it's just never gonna happen. Yeah, it's gotta get to you. But then again, you might end up with Scott Bale one day. (laughs) (laughs) So this next scene where uh, Preston's talking to the camera. And he's talking to the foreign exchange student, actually. But this is, I think, I mean, I love Ethan Embry in this movie, but this might be my favorite scene of his, where he kind of gives his life philosophy. Look, I don't know about you, but I really believe that there's one person out there for everybody. That's what this is about. It's not just some sappy love letter telling her how my heart stops every time that I see it. It's in there, but it's not just to tell her how I think she's more than the homecoming queen or Mike's girlfriend or how there's this really amazing person inside of her that no one even bothers to see. And man, I just, I'm, you see how starstruck he is or whatever the 
what I, the wanderlust in his eyes. I don't know how to put it, but I'm fully sold on his character and his performance. Yeah, I think there's something about his um the the charm that comes through the sincerity, I think that comes through it. Um which I mean I don't think things have to be like quote naturalistic in order to be real and I think that he's on that line really well of something being like in this movie where everything is kind of goofy and over the top the things he is selling really make emotional sense through this little part. And it makes me, that's what makes me like him as an actor, like making me want to follow him into other projects and stuff is the way that he does these couple, like more emotional scenes that he gets. I like that this emotional scene ends with the foreign exchange student saying, would you like to touch my penis? (laughs) (laughs) Um, After this, this is where Amanda's cousin, Makes Ooh. his move, and Preston sees them kissing. They're cousins through marriage, but still, d- yeah. Oof. Did you oof. guys? Did you guys have a hot cousin? <laughs> <laughs> I have. I have two cousins named Blake and Cameron, they and I never great. made a pass at either of them. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> no, I think almost all my cousins are are guys as well. Not that there's mm. like. They they might be hot as well, but frankly, teenage boys are the worst. So really, the last time I talked to them, oh, yeah. we were all horrible um, monsters. So, so my note for this section was: if this was if this movie was made ten years later, the creepy cousin would have been played by Justin Long. Oh. I feel like he would have done a really good yeah. job as that. He's kind of doe eyed like this dude. This this guy's like a little bit more of a muscly Justin Long. Yeah, man, can you imagine a muscly Justin th- Long? What do you think of that black shiny silk shirt they have this guy wearing? Mm, yeah, that was a that was a choice. There's a there's some like uh what what do they call that like cherry popping daddies music or whatever like what do they swing call revival it? stuff swing revival stuff there's some swing revival stuff going on there and the lounge stuff with all the Smash mm-hmm. Mouth and I think this guy's wardrobe is kind of coming from that range. Yeah, that's... what a weird era when swing was popular <laughs> so for three months with the mask. <laughs> My sister was taking swing dance lessons with her boyfriend. It just what a weird phenomena. Very strange. Uh, yeah, the cousin is um, played by Eric Palladino, who I remember also being on uh, ER for a few seasons. Um. And I think of him always as kind of a douchey guy. Like, I can't help it. Oh, he was in U571. That's yeah. where I know him from also. And he was kind of a douchebag in that movie. <laughs> he showed up in um, Watchmen, the, the Watchmen series from, was it last year or two years ago? The HBO one that I loved. Oh yeah, that might have been four years ago. Honestly, at this point, yeah. <laughs> time has no time meaning. doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so Preston throws his letter out, and the garbage cans out front. He takes off and leaves the party, and this is where like the whole fate thing with the letter going back in the house goes. There's lots of fun editing things, uh, kind of getting from one scene to the next, like uh, almost like camera wipes uh, and like the screen blacking out on one object and then like p- 
pulling back from another one, revealing you're in a different spot as it hops between the different stories. And the uh, the letter traveling to Amanda is that kind of very fun editing, like really quick, really fast. Reminded me of the beginning of Lord of War, actually, but in a much goofier way. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Uh-huh. A little bit different, though. The life of a bullet versus <laughs> the path of a love letter. Is there a term for that? Like, kind of like a Rube Goldberg machine, but of, like, items going between people? Is there, like, a film term for that? Um, You know, there is a term for, like, when you follow a story through one object, there is a term for that. And I don't remember what it, what it is, though. Tay, I'm going to call it an anthropomorphic Rube Goldberg machine. (laughs) (laughs) That totally works. So the party makes its way back in and we get back to the bathroom with Denise and Kenny. And I love the chemistry of these two characters. I think these two actors bouncing back and forth off each other are so wonderfully paired and you feel the history between them. and. You know, it's it's funny again because they're talking about seventh grade and what happened in seventh grade, but they're putting such significance on things, which again, it's just like, you know, that was like five years, years ago. ago for you guys. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, the the thread with them is, I think, the most complete, like character wise. You get them. You get more depth out of their characters than you do Preston and Amanda, for sure. Um, and they are really charming, especially coming up. And when he like kind of does his dork dorky laugh, and she giggles at him, I'm like, I want these kooky kids to make it. Like <laughs> I just like them. They're good for each other. Yes. She's a little too serious and he's way too out there. And I think they balance each other out. Um somewhere in here we also see uh, we get Preston and as he's driving around um it, it ping-pongs between these different uh, setups and his car is really great. I think it's a great like I imagine it's his first car. Um it looks like it's a early '80s uh, Cadillac sedan or uh, coupe because I think it's a two door. Uh, like it's just a fun looking car. Did you guys have good first cars, or were they? Did you have like a Dodge Neon or something very <laughs> bland and middle of the road? I had like a like a mid '80s model like Chevrolet truck. I just had like this older truck. Okay, that's pretty. It was pretty cool. Um. But it didn't have a lot of the cool new shit. I didn't have a CD player. Mm-hmm. But it ended up having a tape player, which I could use the the auxiliary adapter or whatever mm-hmm. and hook it up to my MP3 players, which, if everyone knows, that's like the best way to do it. It's like you can't beat that connection there. Yeah. So that was a cool part of my car, but I didn't have a cool one. I, I remember fucking around with those FM transmitters on top of my iPods. Oh, yeah. Those it's things were always awful. Yeah, those are terrible. Uh, I had just like a mid '90s Jeep that was my brother-in-law's, and then he was gonna get rid of it. So, like a like a Wrangler, like a Jeep Jeep. Yeah, cool. So it was a cool car. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, 
No, I was lucky that he wanted to get rid of it. So, uh, and it was stick shift too. So I've been driving sticks since I was 16. Oh, awesome. Wow. Tough guy. <laughs> yeah. T- pushing that stick up and down makes me really strong. <laughs> I had uh, a 81 Oldsmobile. Uh, it was gold. It wow. reminded me of Preston's car where it was kind of like, this, you're either an old person or, or um, you've made a lot of money illicitly <laughs> if you drive these kinds of vehicles. And it, it just looks anomalous to see a, a youngster driving them, I think. So as he's driving his car, he hears Man, uh, Mandy again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's Barry Manilow's birthday, so it's playing every hour on the hour. That joke uh, is so well-timed. <laughs> I loved it. I think it's excellent. So... He's going to get on the phone and call Barry Manilow, and this is where we get an amazing cameo. I think Jenna Elfman, her cameo in this is so strong. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of this character, the stripper who comes and shows oh, up? Oh, I did want to say that I looked up when Barry Manilow's birthday is, and his birthday's in June. So I don't know if those dates the- add up for graduation, right? Pretty late My- graduation. It's it's a late graduation, but mine was in June. I feel it like when I grew birthday. up, damn. I feel like in, when I grew up as a kid in California, we did September to June. Basically, was school, and then we had a couple weeks of June, all of July, all of August off. Now things are different. Yeah, I love Jenna Elfman. Huge crush, just basically on everyone in this movie. Um. She's great. Uh, I love the fact that she's in this crazy costume and he's also having this weird wild night. And so, it, of course, in his weird main character brain, a fucking angel shows up to give him some advice. You know, <laughs> So that worked really well for me. But, uh, but it is basically what she does. Um, her story of it's trying to see Scott Bayo at the mail or at the mall, excuse me. Uh, I love her quote of fate can only take you so far, but once you're there, it's up to you to make it happen. I, I just love that. And I think that's for Preston. He's been such like a fate, fate, fate guy, but he still has to do something. So for this character to tell him like, Hey, get your ass in gear and actually take that chance. Yeah. He's, he's, he's almost there the whole time, but he's kind of, is just sitting in the, he's a background guy. He's like, around everyone kind of likes him he's you know when she starts to ask people about him everyone knows who he is but they don't really have much to say like the stoner guy just says he is his name over and over again like yeah (laughs) his hair is kind of brown right and he wears t-shirts sometimes sometimes (laughs) sometimes but he's cool he's preston you know preston you know preston 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 (laughs) preston That's uh, that's why I also feel like I would have been a Preston where it was like, you're not the jock. Uh, I guess Preston probably would have been high on the honor roll. Yeah. Uh, which which I wasn't. But he kind of flitted between different groups and like never settled with one for too long and just kind of uh, almost an NPC to the the other main characters going through <laughs> going through the game of high school. Yeah, he's like a he's like a nice Daria. Like he's got his like little group of friends and he's around. Yeah. Well, his best friend, their her activities, Denise, her activities listed was just none. 
Yes. When it came to uh, extracurricular <laughs> activities and stuff. So, yeah, they're kind of just hanging out in the background, these two. I was going to say, I loved Jenna Elfman's delivery of uh, Scott, Scott Bayo. I know, right? So beautiful. <laughs> like, I just love that delivery. Uh, at the end of the scene where she goes, so if you want to call Barry Manilow and profess your love to him at two in the morning, you go for it. Yeah. <laughs> that part is always a little melancholy for me because I, I'm always just like, just he's just alone in his car now. And there's this like huge, exciting life event happening around him. And he's like, you know what? I just need to cool off and drive around mm-hmm. in my old car for a while. Uh, the band has been fighting for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love the, the through line of every time they start to play, they start fighting. Like they're, Donald Faison like counts them off and then the other guy gets mad mm-hmm. or they hit a chord and then like I thought the power went out at one point in time, but I think I'm conflating it with another movie. But it's just they never actually get to play, which is just beautiful. Tay, like you said, this collection of guys who do not match whatsoever. Yeah. Where the bass player is like smoking cigarettes on stage, the lead singer played by that guy from Road Trip. Breckenmeyer. Breckenmeyer and that Freddy movie six one, I think he's full on like glam new wave. I don't even know what he's dressed as. He he's, looks like he's one of the Austin puffy Powers. shirt pirates from Seinfeld. Yeah, he does look like Austin Powers. Uh, speaking of which, Matthew Sweet, who did the music for this movie, in addition to his song, also did the music for Austin Powers and is in the on-screen band for the little interstitial pieces of Austin Powers. Whoa. Also with Seth Whoa. Green. So also wow. Weird. Yep. Uh so Wait, weren't Seth so, Green and Breck and Meyer in the fake band at the beginning of Josie and the Pussycats? Oh shit. That crash on the airplane? <laughs> yes. Oh. So, so they're all homies, I guess. Good pull. Uh so guy jumps up on stage, starts playing Paradise City. William drunkenly knocks him off the stage and takes over. And does this is a long sequence, this song here. Oh, but by the end of it, it looked a little awkward (laughs) when the girl when the girl flashes him and he eats shit and then jumps back up and they run off to the makeout room and one girl gets locked out of the makeout room. It (laughs) this is this is frantic. What's going on? I love that uh, little section of William becoming popular. And nobody ever realizing how what a party animal he is, uh, and like him really discovering himself. And then the girls coming by and go, "Did those two just go in the makeout room with <laughs> William Lichter? <gasps> They're so lucky." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we get Trip McNeely showing up to hang out with Mike. Is this Jerry O'Connell or is this the other O'Connell? This is Jerry. This is Jerry. This is Joe. Jerry. Joe from the his apartment. I don't know if Jerry drank a bunch of beers to get ready for this scene, but he looks just the right amount of bloated, and he just looks perfect. He looks like a college or a high school football star that went to college and immediately gained twenty five pounds. <laughs> and this was right after. He was Kush in, um, oh shit. Kush slash, 
Kush slash, Kush slash, Kush slash, Kush slash. And Jerry Maguire. Uh, I haven't seen it. What? What? It's a a joke. I just sang the song. Okay. I was like, how would you have pulled that? Uh, (laughs) And then he was in Scream 2. Also right before this. So like the year before he had done those two movies. Uh, And once again, such an imprint of late 90s, like masculinity throughout this little run. Uh, And he's kind of deconstructing it here, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Basically, all the girls just want to date pre-meds. They're all pre-meds. <laughs> They're Guys all... like us are a dime a dozen, bro. <laughs> They're into ecological shit. <laughs> ecological. <laughs> so, Mike panics and goes to find Amanda. And uh, I like when Amanda asks Mike, when Mike's like, we should get back together. And she says, why? <laughs> Jerry Facinelli looks so confused that she even asked this question, why would I get back together with you? It's a mm-hmm. Great little moment. He's like, I'm so cool. It's clear. It's clear why you would get back with me. Yeah. She calls him a childish, self-centered asshole. Ah, well, I can't Whoa. say that sentence. Childish, <laughs> self-centered asshole. And uh, his the best retort I've ever heard in a debate is, a man... that's when you know you've lost the debate when you're doing that and then he gets called an f word from the crowd and yeah it was the 90s it's wild just to go back and watch this stuff like i forgot how prevalent and just how common homophobic language was on a just day-to-day life yeah like, um, I have in my notes several times, like, I guess being gay is bad. <laughs> like, that's just the default position is that anything homosexual is immediately negative. It's pretty and weird pr- for, what is it, 98? Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Nope. Uh, somewhere, is this shortly after this is where we get the Dire Straits needle drop? Uh, of Romeo and Juliet, oh. which is also in Empire Records with Ethan Embry. Like, this song just followed him around, haunting him. I love this song, especially when the drums kick in. Mm-hmm. I, 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 this song makes me want to go kick some ass or something. I don't know, in the name of, kick Whoa. some ass in the name of love. Like, kick, okay. knock some barriers down that are, like, in the way of love kind of thing. Okay. I was going to say because it's achingly romantic and you want to kick some ass, that's... <laughs> no, it makes me want to, like, fight for love. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Um, William, yeah. William finds Mike drunkenly at the piano and he tries to get him to go to the pool house and he says, Mike, there's two girls outside. They're triplets. They want to see you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the William Mike scene, I was going to say, is like the second most charming after uh, Kenny and Denise. Like, they're little... They're so great together once they start being nice to each other. Yes. Growing out, they're very cool. And then we have Kenny and Denise back up in the bathroom. And are are they mid-coitus at this point? <laughs> uh, no, I think they're just making out, but okay. they're about to coit. They're coiting <laughs> soon. <Pre-coit. laughs> yeah, definitely pre-coit. 
Uh, Love Burger is going to play a reunion. <laughs> They're already talking about, let's just play a stripped down set, some new stuff, some old stuff. Mostly old stuff. <laughs> uh, oh, we've got William's line to Mike uh, because Mike is complaining that he, he shouldn't have broken up with Amanda. And William says, well, what I know is women are like trolley cars. There's plenty of them in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> That's he's loaded a, with lines when he's drunk. Yes. He's really funny. <laughs> yeah, but we're getting close to the end of the party now because the Kenny's friends go up to a bunch of black guys and say the N-word oh. and then immediately get chased out of the party. And <sighs> we get the the Blink-182 needle drop after mm-hmm. this. Is this. This movie, the representation of this movie is not great. We got two like very minor black characters and then just these guys just used for a punchline. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the two black characters are in like identical groups and also dating each other. Yeah. They're like the two black friends and they're also just together too. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. It's another thing that's pretty wild along with the homophobic language is going back to some of these old movies and just seeing like, oh, there was like zero representation whatsoever of anyone but white people. Mm hmm. So the Blink-182 song starts playing because the cops come? Yeah. Uh, or right, yeah. right, right there about. Have you, did you ever have to scatter from a party? <laughs> or any shenanigans like this? I, I never scattered from a cop, but I scattered from, like, mean dudes. Like, I've had to hide okay. out from, like, roving gangs of people who wanted to harm me before. Um, I've been beaten up quite a few times, so yeah, I've I've scattered. <laughs> Yikes! No, my ex- my only experience with it was uh, like in the movie Beer Fest when they're at a college party and suddenly all of the kids start to take off, and then one of the kids is like, "Why are you guys running? Aren't you like 30? <laughs> that was always a really good feeling, though, like being at one of those big things, and then the cops do come and then you're like, Oh wait, I'm fine. Like I, I don't have to worry about this anymore. Right. Nice. Um, so during all the mayhem, the nerds attack William and Mike out back and pose them with, were those snow cones? The, the coconut S- snowballs, the nipples? Yeah. snowballs. Yeah. Weird choice. Uh, yeah. Like you said, this is, Weird choice. They're just for this part. They're just I would pink, say. I guess I, I don't understand like <laughs> what was going on out there. I don't quite understand this plot point. Really, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Because he had already, he had already kind of wanted to back out of the plan by the time they jump on them. Right? Yeah. Like he was like trying to stop Mike from walking out there, and then it was too late. And when. The other friends realize because they take a bunch of Polaroids, so you would probably see him in the flash. You'd see that it's William in the flash. Mm -hmm. But then after they turn the flashlight on him, they still bail on their friend and they don't destroy the Polaroids because the Polaroids get Mike fired from his job at the car wash years later. Like by. By him, right? By it's, it's implied that he does it. Right? 
Oh, I didn't. I did not read it like that. It's implied that Mike does what? It's implied that, uh, that um, William that William is the one who finally throws the uh, Polaroids at Mike. Oh, I never considered that. But after Mike shuns him later, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, he was scorned. <laughs> yep. So Denise and them had sex, right? So they're just <laughs> oblivious to everything else downstairs because they've been locked in there the whole time. The door didn't work. Yes, yes. He got the information about the door from the homeowner when he lied and said he saw the exchange student guy with the marker. And he said yep. he was the one who who wrote, um, who drew that she had a joint in her mouth. And yes. I a think joint, the dad her, was her saying, dad I like said, boys. I really like boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> another, another strike for the homophobic <laughs> nature of this movie. Um. Yeah, so when the party host finally finds them upstairs in the bathroom and she kicks them out, and her hair is just insane at this point. Her eyes are as wide as saucers as she's screaming at Seth Green and throws his backpack out of the room. She looks like um, Winona Ryder at the end of Heathers. Yeah, <laughs> good point. She um, Did we ever talk about his 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 loadout there and his weird backpack of all his stuff <laughs> no his, has, like, his pleasure Kama chest Sutra, yeah oils candles like a conversation book like he was gonna pull out the book i guess as a guide <laughs> massive candles like a hundred condoms yes why is he practicing his Kama Sutra poses upstairs now? yeah this should have been done weeks ago <laughs> uh i do like when he thinks he's going to get laid earlier and he's walking through the party and he's like wait do i put my jimmy hat on now or wait <laughs> and then he's like he's talking about putting two condoms on before right. they're even in the room together yeah. like, this guy yes. doesn't know shit <laughs> i uh two condom thing i remember watching uh like being in a health class and learning a lot about stds and this this class clown from the back of the class was like when i have sex i'm gonna wear five condoms and the nurse that was teaching the class was just like it's not how it works uh, whatever like had no time to explain it to billy <laughs> i remember and uh, there's a demonstration where somebody showed that it, two condoms actually makes it's a higher chance that one will break or yeah. something because of the latex on latex nature of it right. so you're actually Making your odds worse. Um, so that's condom education. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you come to this show. I know for for your uh, sexual education. Mm -hmm. And Sean famously is against using them, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't needed to in years. So <laughs> COVID and dating life have a. Uh, COVID has not helped my dating life. Let's put it that way. Gosh. Um, so we're finally at the next morning, and Mike has taken the blame for everything that happened over at the at the police station. And we go over to now the diner. I love that this movie ends at a diner or a, a diner in a train station. But <laughs> I think that was such like a friend's idea of like, ah, uh, people are used to characters talking about things in a diner. Just mm -hmm. put some coffee in front of him and the audience will accept it. Uh, this is where Preston is wearing the coolest jacket I've ever seen. 
that red jacket that yeah. red jacket like i don't think i i have the the figure to pull pull something like that off because it's kind of nipped in at the waist a little bit uh it's got like those buttons across the back like it's almost like a lady's jacket but it just looks like a retro guy's jacket yeah i think he and denise are into thrifting and stuff like that Yes, because she's got like a kind of a 70s mm-hmm. uh, shirt on at this point, too. I love how he and Denise end this movie together where he's now doubting himself and he's doubting if there actually is fate and wonders if this was just a hero's journey to make him come out a better person at the end. Yes. And she laughs at him for once again being so hyperbolic and ex- just blowing everything so big and out of proportion. And she says, I do think there's such a thing as fate. It just works in really fucked up ways sometimes. <laughs> She's very intelligent. <laughs> They're both going places. I love places. her. I love her. I would definitely be chasing Denise and not Jennifer Love. Where was, where was Preston going to school again? Dartmouth? Uh, Dartmouth to take a workshop with Kurt Vonnegut. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's and when I first saw this movie, I didn't know who Kurt Vonnegut was, Whoa. so I thought he was taking, I was picturing like a Bob Vila woodworking <laughs> kind of workshop. <laughs> like the Yankee workshop? Yeah, I was 12, I didn't know what yeah, a workshop meant. I, I, I probably just didn't even pay attention at all to that. Josh, did you notice the spider plant behind Mike and his friends in the diner? Oh, I did not. I should have. I got Josh's first house plants, or I got Josh new house plants that he's not going to kill. Sweet. I got a weird one back <laughs> there too. I don't know what it is, but I'll get I'll get you some pictures of it later. I'll, I'll see if you can identify it. We haven't had I'm Vine time in a long best. time. Yeah, it's been a minute. We haven't. <laughs> we haven't. So they're all at the same diner, right? Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, we're assuming it's super early in the morning, but it looks like it's 2 p.m. outside. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, William goes up to Mike to thank him. And once again, Mike completely dismisses him. Did we talk about him getting out of, they were in jail? Did we mention that? Yeah. Okay. Mike took the blame. Right. Uh, Hang on a second. But they were arrested for for what? Public intoxication. Got it. Would be my guess. Um. But the, I love a movie that ends on these still frames, kind of like Animal House does. Oh, yeah. Where you get it kind of comes out of nowhere. character future. It does. But this one where uh, William goes out and he starts a tech company that's worth $40 million and he's now dating a supermodel. And then we juxtapose that with Mike, who ends the movie with his hands upside down doing the, the Birdman eyes he just looks so dumb and it's this is where you get the lies he ended up 40 pounds overweight at a gas station or something and then the pictures came out and he got fired really cruel ending for mike here i've never heard the term the bird man for the uh eyeball thing my mom we used to sit around the table the dinner table and i have like distinct memories of my parents getting drunk and i'm doing the eye thing now uh-huh. And my mom would sing the song, look up in the air, it's Mr. Birdman. Whoa. <laughs> That's a cool memory. Um, uh, some of my favorite memories were just my parents were like absolutely plastered. And those were like the time, like some of my favorite memories as a kid, which probably didn't do good things to me mentally. 
Um, so we get to see the freeze frames on Mike and the nerd. What's his name? William. Yeah, I I've, I've keep spacing on his name. And then after, have you have you do you like what about Bob? Because that's what I think of this guy from. I've never seen what about Bob. Really, it's probably yeah. my favorite Bill Murray movie. Really, if I think about it, it's up there. It's really good. Mm. Mine is probably Rushmore. I've never seen Rushmore. Wow, we should trade Bill Murray's. <laughs> we should. All right, we'll get you on in two weeks. Cool. We'll do a Bill no, Murray episode. I'm I'm retired after this. We just decided to break. Oh, hey, uh, Kira's car broke down. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, uh, I've got to go deal with that, I guess. You want me to fly solo with Tay? Yeah, if you will. Okay, no problem. Okay, I'll leave the, the It's going to be up. weird. Yeah, it will be. We'll, have, we'll get you to record an addendum about your next. Elizabeth has offered to step in, <laughs> to step in, but she did not watch your next. So you'd have to go back to can't hardly wait because <laughs> we watched uh, that together. <laughs> yeah. Can you keep the zoom open? And... Yes, of course. All right. Cool. Good luck. Go All right, be a thanks. dad. All right. All right. We're back. We're back. And unfortunately... Josh's daughter's car broke down, so he had to take off. So you and I are gonna wrap this one up solo. Just you Holy and me. Shit. To this episode. Uh first for this show. You might be becoming the new permanent <laughs> co-host of this show if you weren't having a baby soon. <laughs> we'll see if I can uh get more uh in-depth things to say than uh that was good. <laughs> That's all. That's all I need, Tay. I just need someone to keep pushing me along, and I'll. <laughs> Got it. I'll keep this train moving. Um. So speaking of trains, uh, after Kenny and Denise break up and then get back together ten minutes later, um, <laughs> Preston goes. We and get they that hook, Matthew. They hook up song. in a bathroom again. Did you see oh, that? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Purely bathroom-based uh, relationship. I know they got to move into a bedroom at some point. <laughs> Um, so we get that Matthew Sweet song one last time. Preston's in the train station. She comes to visit him with his letter in hand. When he gives her a handshake, as all of this happens, Tay, oh. where, where does your heart go when he shakes her hand? You know, I'm not sure, 100% sure I remember that. Like, I thought, so he's just so nervous that he shakes her hand. Well, yeah, well, she, she's like, maybe I should be single, basically. Right. At the start. And then so he's like, yeah, maybe. And he's kind of speechless. Uh-huh. And so he's just like, all right, well, I'll see you later. <laughs> and they awkwardly shake hands. Um, and then as they walk away, I like that they both do the, the look back. Okay, the I, double remember take. The, I remember the handshake now. Yeah. Because she's yeah. a little confused, too. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, she looks confused, like, uh... Don't you love me? <laughs> um, and so she starts to walk away, and I love his little jump. He runs after oh, her. Oh, yeah, after great dropping jump. His bags, and he does that little jump over the chair arm. Mm. It's wonderful. He was like, can I do this again, but can we get this jump in here? 
to show let people know that I'm an athletic sex machine. <laughs> is that is that your take from Ethan Embry in this movie is athletic sex machine? It is now after I saw that cool jump. That was like he's like trying to get become the next uh Ethan whatever from Mission Impossible. Hunt. Ethan Hunt. Yeah, that was great. I think that I think so they're kissing at this point. Yeah, how do you feel? How do you feel about this kiss? I think it's a good kiss. I, my last note in the movie is "great final kiss." I think they're really Thank going you. for I it. I think it's it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Not too much tongue, just the right amount of like open mouth, but still not being gross. Right. I think it's a great final kiss. Yeah, it's as much as I want to see Ethan Embry kiss Jennifer Love Hewitt for sure. Uh, I could watch a couple more minutes <laughs> couple of it. A couple more hours of that. <laughs> um, and so we, we get the final thing that, the final little placards that she writes him a letter for every day that he's gone. That, I so, feel like that would last, that would last a month, maybe. right? Yeah. And they're all getting Could you imagine like, writing 30 letters in yeah. a month? And you're, it's the next day when you get each letter. So, I mean, it's all news at that point. Yeah, so they've... So, yeah, and he's she's writing him... If he takes four years to graduate college, <laughs> she's writing him, like, 1,400 letters I, in that time? I don't... I thought it was this movie, but it has to be something else. But there's a movie where someone goes to a college away, and they're... But like a nice, like a big Ivy League school, but in someone they're dating goes to a school in the same town. And I thought it was this movie being like, she's transferred to this school too, but it's, it's something else. I'm going to have to look it up after this. Are you thinking of Legally Blonde? <laughs> I might be thinking of Legally Blonde. She follows her boyfriend to Harvard Law School. Oh no, it's like at the end of the movie as like a reveal. Like uh, they, they went to college and they transferred to be closer together. Oh, I got gotcha. you. And he, I don't know. And it one. says that he, he's, he, um, he moved his train ticket up a little bit so they could hang out, right? Yeah. So they hung yeah, out all they day. Hung out for like eight hours in a train station, which seems fun to me. I would love to go on more trains. Need to. Yeah, it's been a minute. Um, and then we get. Did you see the after credits scene? Oh yeah, the fucking oh oh before the after credit scene, the act can't hardly wait plays over the credits. Oh yeah, which is great because I was like, does this does this song happen? Like I thought maybe it happened in the beginning, um, but no, we just get it in the credits. It's a good song. It's a jam. Oh, it's a fantastic song. And yeah, so William's friends are walking home later in the morning and get abducted by aliens yeah okay complain that nothing happens in this town right and then yeah they get abducted by aliens great (laughs) random ass so tay that was can't hardly wait oh it's a great choice for me that movie like we said it's like it's such a time portal to the late 90s and it's also just seeing how like optimistic the world felt back then pre 9-11 when everything kind of took a turn i don't know the 90s just felt so 
naive, right. I guess. And unaware of the impending doom that's approaching us. And it's really aside from all the 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 shitty stuff we talked about earlier, it's it's not as um, like sardonic and nihilistic as a lot of like the 2000s stuff gets, you know? Like people are like generally pretty positive and nice. It's like not too mean, you know? And uh, I really like that too. No, the the mean people get their comeuppance mm-hmm. in this movie. Right. And this movie in the end is like most people are ending up paired up. I think this movie is positive and believes in love where those 2000s like i was saying before the fairly brothers and the raunchy stuff and i don't know things things just got so dark and like negative and yeah. twisted for a while it's not fun and still are um so on a scale of zero to five uh-huh. how would you rate can't hardly wait i would give can't hardly wait a solid four i'm I, right there with you. i really this is a great four really like this movie the, I probably would have given it a five in my younger days, but and um, it's probably purely based on that stupid shit that we talked about. But uh, yeah, I think it's highly rewatchable. It's got a lot of good '90s stuff and a killer soundtrack, and that's pretty much all I really need to give it a movie four stars. You're here, and. Uh... Uh, you just mentioned a movie with a killer soundtrack. What if I told you there's a movie that just has real killers in it? Oh, and what if I told you that there's a movie that has a guy who's in a bunch of Fairly Brothers movies in it? Which one? The the dad from Your Next. He's like in like every Fairly Brothers movie. He is? Yeah. He's the bad guy in, really? King, in Kingpin. Wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. Who's he? Who's the bad guy in Kingpin? Bill Murray. Not. Oh, the casino. Not Kingpin. Um, the. Yeah, Kingpin. Yes, Kingpin. He is the guy that the 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 girl that they run into. The he's trying ginger to hustle. Girls. Yeah, he's right. got like a white stripe in his hair, and he's also the bartender in Dumb and Dumber when Lloyd is sad at the bar when he's like, "We landed on the moon." Like he's like talking to that bartender. Yeah. It was that guy. So he's that's our connective tissue here. Wow, I had no idea. Well, I you're talking about Rob Moran, Rob Morin, who Rick Moranis plays the dad in this movie. Um, wow, I had no idea there was that connection. Anyways, we're talking about Year Next, which is a 2011 movie, but not really. That's when it debuted a film fe- film festival. This came out August 23rd, 2013, which is important to me because I saw this two days later on my birthday, August 25th. Cool. So I saw this on my 27th birthday by myself in San Francisco, and it was a double feature. I saw this and the Simon Pegg, uh, Edgar Wright movie, um, World's End. So I did a double feature of those two movies. Yeah, on my birthday. That's fun. Did you it like? Really did you fun. like both of them? I did. I loved your next World's End. Didn't quite land for me. Bill I Lord. liked it. Um, I th- also think the older you get, the more you can relate to that movie. Where I yeah, I saw it at twenty seven, and 
as I don't know, maybe and now like as a 35, 36 year old, I kind of feel more for Simon Pegg's character of needing to grow up or like trying to cling to your past and things like that. I think it's a lot more relatable for me yeah. now than it was back then. I don't remember much from that one. I saw your next in a theater on a date, a first date, basically, and haven't really didn't even go to dinner or anything. I just went to this movie with someone. How do you? How did this get set up? Tinder. Oh, so so you met at the theater and said, "Let's sit down and." Yeah, I mean, we met on you, Tinder, and then we're like, "Let's go watch." No, but you didn't. You didn't hang out beforehand or like get coffee no, or anything. No, you just, it was like, "Let's." You just meet went here. straight to a theater, <laughs> right? Let's go straight to this and theater. watch your next. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a weird first date, man. I know it was terrible. Well, anyway, it didn't work out. She like left pretty quickly. So uh, I ended up watching this movie alone. So oh, was you my... didn't follow her? No, no. She was like pretended to have something to do. But it's like, you're obviously just a little annoyed by this whole situation. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So that's my okay. first experience with this movie. Well, I, I imagine you didn't have a good time or a good reception to it. Then if. Yeah, it was. If a bit... I got. If Weird. I got bailed on a date in middle of a movie, I think I would uh-huh. hate that movie. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's probably a good sign that it was it wasn't going to work out. We didn't have similar tastes. True. Uh, I definitely agree that you're probably best off without it, um, without that going on. So uh, this movie is directed by Adam Wingard and written by si- Simon Barrett and. This movie has a lot of horror people in it. We're talking about um, Ty West, who's a director. Um, A.J. Bowen has been in a ton of horror movies. Um, there's someone else. Uh, Amy Semitz is a director, and she's been in a lot of cool stuff. So this, there's a lot of really interesting creative people who came together to, to make this movie. And I think you really feel... You feel that or you feel the love that was poured into this. I, I, I tell people when I try to kind of give a sales pitch for this movie is this is a movie. It's a horror movie f- made by horror fans for horror fans. Mm-hmm. Did do you has there ever been any information out if like this was kind of a collaborative thing? Like did this guy cast um, horror directors and horror adjacent people because he was trying to work with them? Or were they purely actors? You know, I I think they were purely actors. I read a long um, oral history of it recently on Bloody Disgusting. And the, the main thing that stuck out to me was um, they brought Barbara Crampton back out of retirement. And she hadn't acted in anything for a while. And she's the mom in this movie. And you've seen her in Body Double. And oh. she's in Reanimator also. Okay. So she yeah. hadn't she hadn't acted in a while when this movie came out, and she kind of credits this movie with getting her back into it, and had a really positive experience on set and things. And so it just seems like a really great environment. Cool that this movie was made under. We're gonna start off this movie with uh, we're hanging out with this couple. And they listen to a banger of a song, which is the Dwight Twilly Band, Looking for the Magic. And this song gets repeated over and over and over in this movie. 
and I love it every time. Killer. I, I love this song so much. It's so good. Killer bass line. It's, it's just, it sounds so good. It sounds so good out of that cool, like, vintage, high-quality stereo this rich dude has and all that. I, I, yeah, I very much enjoy that first opening bit. Yeah, so this movie does a good job of... It's a horror movie. Let's get some kills out of the way right off the bat to set the tone a bit. Um, so I was very confused what the story was with this couple because this guy is older and balding and this woman is young and not balding. <laughs> uh, but it, it turns out that he's a professor and she's one of his students, oh, as that's, we find out later. That's normal. They, yeah, the mom mentions it as the mom and dad are driving in. She says, oh, he left his wife for a college student. They have sex. The guy goes to take a shower, and when he comes out, his girlfriend has been murdered outside, and your next is written on blood in the windows. And then what happens? I, I love when a title like this, a movie title, is uh, diegetic. That's not the right word at all, but right. when the movie title is in the movie world itself. You know what I mean? This seems like something that it. This is like a a rare situation where it, someone probably wrote the movie based on the title itself. <laughs> it's a great title. Oh, it's awesome! I don't know how it's never been done before. I don't know. Um, I remember the marketing for this movie. It got a really good kind of viral campaign, and I think they chose the perfect masks to market this movie mm -hmm. these masks are so cool looking and iconic and simple but they stick with you yeah i associate this movie with the, that like kind of weird like or early horror revival time with like cabin in the woods and it follows and and this i, I get all these three kind of mixed up with that time period so yeah horror was having a bit of a moment again I would love to watch, rewatch Cabin in the Woods and It Follows, because I think I saw both of those one time and really? liked both of them a lot. Yeah, I, I ride hard for It Follows. Um, so yeah, the professor also gets killed, and now we jump to the next day. We get a uh, mom and dad driving into town. Dad was a retired defense contractor, but he worked in marketing. <laughs> and uh it just goes to show like these people are loaded is basically what this is trying to confer and um our first our first driver or our first couple that we introduce is crispin played by aj bowen and his girlfriend aaron played by sharni vinson who is australian actress who i have not seen in anything else but man she kicks ass in this movie like both just in her performance and then in her stunt work and physical performance itself. Did, I, I love her so much. She did her own stunts and everything in this? Uh, it looks like a lot of them. That's awesome. I've seen, I seen some like behind the scenes stuff of her doing uh, fight training and cool shit like that. She seems, yeah, super athletic. Um, so they're going to their their parents place because 30 it's their parents anniversary right yeah it's their 35th anniversary and um i was like i don't know i have zero idea what my parents anniversary is <laughs> uh probably a bad mine 
My parents were easy because they were two days after Christmas. Ooh, yeah. Was their anniversary. Yeah. Easy. Um, so when the mom and dad are in the house alone, there's a noise upstairs, and the mom immediately freaks out, and the dad is just like, Oh no, it's it's fine. I'm gonna go up there with this fireplace poker and it, look around and stuff. It's so obvious. Like these noises are loud. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like something in the house. This is not like a little house creak no, or something. It like wasn't that. like a this raccoon something, or something. This is like something like dum, 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 yeah. footsteps upstairs. And the mom is 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 working with the oldest, grossest broom I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it like looks like a like a ducktail haircut. Like it's just like I don't understand yeah. why these rich people. All the rich people I've ever met, they do have like weird shit like that. It's like you could buy a new broom, but they're like, no, we just spend our money on other stuff. Yeah, why spend twelve dollars on a broom when I can spend eighty five thousand dollars on a car? There you go. So you know we're gonna spoil this movie right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that as the dad's looking for the noise. Crispin runs up there and stops his dad by grabbing his dad's shoulder. We do get a cheap jump scare here of that shoulder grab with the noise, which I always hate. Um, But I like on the rewatch of this, trying to pick up a couple more layers of the brothers who are in on it, how they're acting or behaving to potentially change things. So I must have definitely checked out on the day that that (laughs) that person left during the day because i completely forgot the twist in this movie (laughs) i was like oh yeah really i was completely it was like a first time watch again yeah oh that's fun it's a good twist yeah it is i it's you kind of see something like it coming um yeah oh it's like a double but i i love how the twist is revealed later (laughs) the moment we'll talk about it um so so we get our first First view of a killer as Barbara Crampton is getting some water in the kitchen at night and we're outside the window and we see the, the fox mask reflection in the window through so the scary. kitchen. It's awesome. There's so many moments like that that just give me little chills and it's not even like scared chills. It's just like this is why I love horror is for this shit right here. Um, So the rest of the brothers show up and we got... Uh, Joe Swanberg and uh, other people. (laughs) 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 And um, Joe Swanberg and his wife, Kelly, he's played Drake. He's the bigger guy. They have a very interesting little relationship because you can tell it might be kind of strained when they're hanging out in the bathroom together and he's kind of trying to make a move on her and she's kind of slapping him away. And so then he asks her if she has any Vicodin, Mm -hmm. and she just has, she just carries a full bottle of Vicodin in her purse at all times. So they're going through That seems like a very, yeah, 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 for sure. And then our other couple that shows up is, um, we got Amy, and she's dating a guy named Tariq, who is a independent director. And And then we got- And uh, that's the the actual director guy, right? That's Ty West, Yeah. yeah. Innkeepers, uh, Devils, House of the Devil, some other stuff. Yeah. I've never seen Innkeepers, actually. I I think I've started that movie three or four times. <laughs> so our other brother who shows up is Felix, and he's with his super sketchy girlfriend, Z. 
who right off the bat don't trust this one. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> so, what'd you think of this dinner scene? Because I think it's hilarious. I the the banter between uh, Crispin and Drake, where you know drake's making fun of him for being fat and he's like i'm not fat i just have a round face <laughs> and it's it's very like natural it feels improv yeah it a does. lot of the the dialogue and i i it's really funny i like these two a lot they're back and forth yeah it's great they they seem they seem like older good older brother younger brother pair i like their dynamic yeah. the whole the whole tribe there so when crispin when they ask Crispin and how he and Aaron got together and he's like yeah well she was my student but then we she stopped taking my class because we it wasn't it was inappropriate or whatever and then his brother into his wine glass goes little unprofessional <laughs> yeah the brother was <laughs> just I love that guy um yeah I love it just like taking little shots mm-hmm. at like under his breath at his he's brother. also oh when he's he's being a dick to Tariq, oh yeah, the director. So he's he's high. He he ate some Vicodin. He's drinking wine. He's 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 partying. I forget about the Vicodin. Yeah, this guy's feeling good mm-hmm. as he's making fun of the Tariq for having a a movie at an underground film festival. And I love he's like underground. What does that mean, underground? And <laughs> so we're gonna get into it now, man, because. Yeah. Tariq sees something outside the window and he goes and looks and this reveals really cool how you just I think it shows the glass break and you don't see the top of his head in the frame and this the conversation slowly sputters to a halt until you have one person left at the dinner table yelling and then they all look and it's through his fucking forehead that was really cool I uh, in my notes here I have die west because yeah. <laughs> that's yeah you know you'd be a real contender to take over for Josh man if you got that kind of material <laughs> yeah that was um, a really cool cool quick shot yeah. we're probably like what like fifteen minutes into the movie maybe and it's already just it's quick rocking yeah it's quick this movie goes and so right off the bat. We get some instant or some idea of who Aaron is as she tells all the people, grab a chair, stay low, immediately. and run. Immediately. No hesitation. Also, I noticed this time, Z and Felix are out of that dining room instantaneously. Really? The second that shot is fired, oh. you see them both take off. Cool. So they're out of there before the second shot's even fired. Um, it, so... Archery was definitely in the zeitgeist at this point with the Hunger Games because there, there was oh yeah, bows are having a huge comeback, and uh, Walking Dead with the crossbow. Oh yes, so you think that's just that uh, they probably talked about this in the movie, and I'm just not remembering. But is that just because it's quiet and the cops aren't coming because they're not shooting guns in there? That would be. That would be the only reason yeah, I could think is to to keep it quiet. And, you know, they, they try to show that there's not really any other neighbors around, but you still don't want to be shooting guns right. off. Uh, also, the phones are jammed. Uh, no Wi-Fi Classic. or no wireless connection. Classic. Yeah. 
they, I love when didn't they have a so, cell phone uh, blocker? Didn't someone yeah, say because that they, Felix Felix goes, uh, "Oh, they're probably using a cell phone jammer. You can get them on eBay for like twenty bucks." No, and Drake goes, "Felix, you fucking low life." <laughs> <laughs> so Felix bought the um, cell phone jammer. I don't. I don't remember when has Drake's already been shot at this point in the shoulder, right? Yes. He gets shot in the dining room. Yes. So, yeah, they take him in. He takes more Vicodin. Mm-hmm. And this is where the daughter, um, she wants to run to get help. And she says that she's the fastest one. And it really cracks me up when she starts crying because she says, none of you believe in me. You you never believe in me. It's like this is not the time yeah, to I'm, be bringing. This you guys up. need to realize how fucking fast I am. I I got this. And the dad is like, "We do believe in you, honey. We do. It's not that. It just man. But this kill, this is so fucking brutal. Is this the clothesline thing? This is the piano wire yeah, strung across gnarly. the front door. That was." That was oh, that may have been such a simple. That may have been when the girl left the theater at the date. That would be a reasonable time <laughs> for her to leave. I would say because <laughs> the Tariq kill, it's a little goofy with the the bolt through his forehead. Yeah. But there's nothing goofy about this no. when she hits it and that twang. Oh, oh, brutal. Oh, this was like turn my stomach kind of horror thing here um so she's lying there dead and the the mom poor mom barbara crampton completely breaks so they take her upstairs to put her in bed this why this family loves to split up yeah you notice that yeah (laughs) the mom and the everyone loves to split up yeah, I don't, I guess this seems like a common occurrence. They really just want to put mom to bed. Like, I know this is stressful. We don't need you to get the vapors. We just need you to go away for a little while. I know, but it's like, maybe she can take a nap later after this has been dealt with. Right. But maybe now is not the time. Um, overall, I, I I do think Barbara Crampton is pretty great in this. Uh the dad's performance is pretty weak, I will say. I don't know. I don't know how you felt about it, yeah. but some of his lines felt a little stilted, or it felt like, you know, the other Joe and AJ, some of the other actors were more comfortable with improving, and he was just trying to keep up with them. Yeah, he was just, but doing he it. wasn't quite on that. He wasn't quite yeah. on that level. I agree. Um. So they lay mom down in bed, and man. What a cool shot when the guy slides out from underneath the bed. Oh, shit, yes. That was crazy. And stands up next to her, and, uh, yeah, he's got a big machete. And he's gonna use that machete to kill poor mom. So, So, R.I.P. Barbara Crampton. So a lot of people have died. We got Uh, the boyfriend. Three. Three so far, yeah. The boyfriend, the sister, and the mom. Three people in this house, plus two oh. people in the other yeah. house. So, yeah, we're at, like, five kills in, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes so of this movie. In the, in the plan, what was the point of killing the other two people? Uh, I think it was just to prevent 
any witnesses at all. Cool. Or any police being called or anything like that. Sweet. I think they were they were trying to say like that was the only other house around there. Um So mom gets machete to the head and your next is written on the wall again. These killers are nothing if not consistent. Also, great choice in font for their blood font. Yeah. They're very these, these killers have a real graphic design flair. They're consistent too. It looks exactly the same both times. Yeah, no, these guys should be artists, not <laughs> murdering psychopaths. Um uh, my next note is when Kelly they all run upstairs to check on the mom, and then uh I got Kelly is upstairs in the room alone, and that's when she hears something under the bed and checks under the bed and she sees the dude under the bed. Oh and yeah. She runs away from him. That's my next note. I don't know if you had anything in between these. Uh my notes aren't that specific, so I don't really know where I'm at. Oh, okay. Uh one moment I missed. Aaron's in the kitchen and the dude goes he punches through the window and grabs her hair. And then Aaron, as the fucking badass that she is, turns around and stabs his arm oh, like yeah. into the wall. That was awesome. And I love this moment because up until this point, this seems like a traditional horror movie where these killers aren't even human. They're literally like animals. And they're just going to be maskless, emotionless killers. But this scene right here, this shot where he gets stabbed through the arm and he's screaming in agony, it humanizes them. Yeah, big time. And all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, this might not be your normal horror movie. Good point. And so that little moment, like the first time I saw it, I was so stoked. Cause I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Like it's finally, like we're getting someone who's going to fight back, you know? Yeah. Um, so Kelly runs and bails and, uh, uh, she runs and she leaves the front door, ducks under the wire. Drake chases after her. And when he runs the, and he hits thing, that's oh, the I, bolt. That's like something that stuck with me all the time that looks so painful. I know. And it's one of those little things. Sometimes like a paper cut in a horror movie mm-hmm. hurts more than a decapitation. Yeah. And this one, having a crossbow bolt sticking out of your shoulder and then running into a wall or a rope or whatever and having that thing jerked back. Luckily you had that Vicodin, right? Oh. Yeah. Well. He pulls it out and then passes out immediately, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, so they drag him inside and they hide him behind a curtain. Um, is this where dad goes upstairs and looks in the cabinet and stuff? No, not yet. Okay. We got uh, Kelly runs to the neighbor's house is the next bit. Okay. And so this is where Kelly... Um, she's slamming on the door. She sees the guy sitting on the chair. She turns around as she sees the killer coming after her. And there's just like one hard punch, like straight to her nose. Oh, yeah. It's, it's one of the most brutal parts of this movie. So the something about the crack of like just a woman getting punched straight in the face hard is the tough choice is worse than like a machete stab or anything. I don't, I don't quite understand 
why that is. It's so we get a couple scenes of her walking around the house and we get the CD player, right? Changing over and starting the song again. Yeah. So is that just a CD with just the one song on it? All right, my theory is that that's their fuck song. And they and so they, they put have it the on CD repeat? player on re- repeat okay, one. Cool. I thought they had just one track of it. They just burnt that one song and it was just starting over again. I mean, it could be. I. It's the only song by the Twi- Dwight Twilly band I've heard, and it's the only song I want to hear by them. <laughs> I mean, would you be that upset if you had what the CD and this was the only song on it? I would still make this is well worth the money. Yeah, it's a total banger. Um. So this is a. Uh, oh, and she sees the killer. We get lamb. Lamb. This is where Lamb Mask practices his golf swing. Okay, and this is where also he, where he knocks, where they yeah, uh, they do the thing that that's been happening for a long time ever since this. I don't know if this is the first thing where you look at the killer and then the killer slowly tilts their head to the left or right. It's a great little Michael Myers head tilt. Oh shit! It's Michael it's, Myers. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's <laughs> yeah, uh, lamb mask. Set gets out a long axe and just does a golf swing straight into her head. Which the fact brutal. that he golf swings it brutal but kind of funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, but yeah, that head to that head tilt. You're right. Was I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make a point here about how they people started doing that a bunch around this time. No, it was the very first <laughs> fucking huge slasher movie. That's where it came from. <laughs> Okay, erasing. Hey, but you had erasing you that noticed from the notes. It, I did notice you, it. It's all right. I'll edit that out. It says that'll, that'll never. My note that'll is, never make it into the final. My cut. note is: we need a moratorium on the creepy mass sideways halt tilt move. Where did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> leave it in. Um, all right, leaving it in. So, my next note here is: uh, Aaron has some boiling water. Or she put a pot of water or oil on the stovetop to boil. And this is going to come back later. Um, Chekhov's next boiling thing water. Is, this is, and uh, Tay, I don't know. Did you remember the reveal about Aaron being a super badass uh, when you watched this no, this time? I don't remember. I didn't remember anything. Okay. So this scene, what did you think about this scene here where... Um, it's uh is it I think it's Lamb Mask or I can't remember which mask guy it is, but Is that how they refer to them? Thro- like in the credits? Is it just it's Lamb Lamb, Lamb, Fox, and Wolf. Yeah. Or I Lamb, Fox, and Ah uh, shit, I don't remember. <laughs> Penguin. But the the guy throws Kelly's body through the window. Oh, that's right. And then steps over into the room and it's slow motion. And he's about to take the axe down on Aaron. And then she rolls out of the way, kicks him in the knee, hits him in the knee with a meat tenderizer, and then bashes the fuck out of his skull <laughs> like of his 40 head. times. Yeah. How did you feel as a horror fan that, watching this? I mean, that is a very, that's the moment, right, that they wanted everyone that, in, the, in the audience that's the moment. to be like, stand up and be like, okay, here we go. This is, they're it's, not dealing with a normal... It's not a final. It's not a normal final girl, basically. So we got a, a I badass. feel like this is 
this is the sales pitch for this movie is this scene right here. Mm -hmm. And when it happened, especially the first time in theater, I had like a toe to the top of my head goosebumps of just like pure excitement. And I was just fucking thrilled and had that like adrenaline of survivalism going through me. I, this was like everything that I wanted, and I didn't even know I wanted it back then. It's uh, Kevin McAllister from Home Alone, but he's a hot badass. Yeah, all right. There's a lot of Home Alone in this movie. A lot. <laughs> I got a note. It's... I got a note right after the creepy mask thing. If these lib cucks had any damn guns, we wouldn't be in this mess. These are all like. <laughs> <laughs> friggin professors and stuff you know they're not armed and ready yeah but but the dad worked at, in marketing for a defense contract i know he could have got a good deal on a gun i guess <laughs> uh well i just have dogs no guns in my house yeah same yeah that just sketches me out man i don't know yeah i, don't, I no. just don't yeah not crazy about the idea of it. So uh, this is where the power to the house gets cut and the dad wanders off and Aaron goes down into the basement to get the breaker. And this is where the dad gets killed, where he's talking to Felix and Z in the hallway. And he's like, I don't know where they are. I'm trying to find them. Is this where he finds the his, dude... his secret stash of piss that he he's like? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Someone's been watching us for days. I really was piss bottles. Well, I, I was just imagining <laughs> in my head. I was like, what if he was like, oh, there that is. And just drank the cup of piss. Like he's just like a secret <laughs> piss addict or something. I didn't think that. <laughs> yeah, of course. You, why would that. you? <laughs> oh, so dad gets his throat slit. Uh -huh. And this little moment here where. Felix and Z are staring at him and then the killer walks out and Felix goes, did you have to do that right in front of me? Oh, yeah. And the killer's just listening to music and pulls out an earbud. What's he listening to? I love to? that the... I don't know, but I love the reveal of this twist that it happens in this, like, this down moment. It's like the moment after things have happened. The twist is not revealed in a big moment where there's a big swell of music and <gasps> it's Felix. It's more like Oh, oh, yeah, Felix. Okay, all right. You know, yeah, Felix is a huge sociopath. He's like very down. Like he's not like screaming at all. Yeah. Well, is is Felix the sociopath or is Z the sociopath? When Z later says, "I want you to fuck me on this bed next to your dead mom." I know. I got that on my notes. I was like, <laughs> "How many times has that happened to you?" And, she, and then she says. You never want to do anything interesting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and for me now, now what that makes me think, that makes me think of the time you had two broken arms oh, up yeah. to your shoulders. And I got dumped because we couldn't do anything anymore. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh, I, I hate I hate to laugh at your pain, but it is oh, funny. Oh, it's great. I, uh, I had in my notes, ask Sean how many times a person has asked you that. Ask me what? If if you want to fuck in your bed next to your dead mom. 
never with my mom, but when my dad died two, oh, two and a half years ago, you know? God damn it. <laughs> so downstairs, Lamb Mask finds Lion Mask. That's the missing mask Lion. that we had. That's Lion. Right. And also, I do like that um, these killers go in reverse of their masks as far as how threatening they are. Lion Mask. You have a lion, a fox, and a lamb. Mm-hmm. Lamb is the most dangerous guy, and lion is the one who gets killed first. That's fun. That is fun. Um, he finds his brother body and flips the table. That's a great dinner table flip, isn't it? Oh yeah. Like a- um, this movie shot beautifully. I think, especially for the budget. This movie had a one million dollar budget. It looks so good, and some of these slow motion shots and the lighting. It just looks so clean and uh, well-constructed. Yeah, it actually looks really dark in there. It looks like it, a house would look if all the lights are out. Um, I, have, I have this movie feels like it has two distinct sections when the new, like the new synth part starts to come in, when she starts to kind of get Ooh. more control. I That one synth that goes... Holy shit, that song kicks so much ass. Because there's not really anything like that beforehand. It's just like kind of orchestral like stings and things. So that's that felt like a different section of the movie. Yeah, I love it. And so that's Aaron's now downstairs and uh Lamb starts breaking into the basement. He smashes through the basement door. And Aaron is screaming at this point in terror. So I like that she's not a superhero. Right. She's still a vulnerable woman who is terrified she's of not, this. She's it's, not dropping she's, one-liners right now, and like chopping no. his hands off and things. No. No, no, no. Um, but then it's at, that's, this is when Joe Swanberg wakes up and he comes out and... Uh, Lamb sees him, and Lamb's gonna go after him, but then Aaron runs and stabs him in the back with a, with the screwdriver, and then Lamb takes off out the door, because they're both standing there together. Hell yeah. Yeah, and this is where it's like, I like that Drake, the biggest asshole in the family, is the most dependable one here, <laughs> towards the end of this movie, you know? So, it, it's, it's, his older brother's idea, right? I I does it I ever really say Drake being? I pictured Drake being the oldest, just because I think he's the biggest, though. Mm. You know, I I don't know who's the oldest brother. Um, that's a good question. Actually, that would be interesting. Um, so now we're gonna get some real Home Alone shit where Aaron's teaching Z how to make. Um, trap boards and boards with nails sticking out of them and Z's about to smash her in the back of the head with one before she stops and sees her almost um, yeah my next note is uh, uh, Drake finds out that his wife is dead and then uh, when they're down in the basement Felix tells him and this is where Felix stabs his brother with everything. 
everything in the world to kill his brother. Oh, yeah. He stabs him with a screwdriver, a knife, like a pry bar, uh, scissors, like just like anything he can get his hands on. And like you said before, this guy's on so much Vicodin that that's probably why he's just standing there able to take it, take all these shots of piercing weapons to his chest because he's like so i guess not feeling he's just he's just been such a dickhead to these other dudes that he just can't be included in the plan he and his sister yeah either that or he's the only one with a sense of right and wrong Mm -hmm. and and doesn't want to go through with murdering his parents but uh yeah um, so Aaron goes upstairs and she finds the dad's body and then the lamb killer's gonna chase her and she just bolts straight out the window. Oh yeah. The cool flip. No, no hesitation. Nothing. Just bolt jumps through plate glass window because she's gonna do whatever it takes to survive. Like break your leg or whatever, but at least you're going to have another chance to keep fighting. She's so cool. I know. And when she's out and pulls that sliver of glass out of her leg, it's gross. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of, like, close-up, like, it seems just like, this movie's almost like a demo tape for this director to be like, look at all these different things I can do. I can pull from all these different worlds and styles and things, because he went on to do, like, much bigger stuff after this, right? Uh, Yeah, he did. Godzilla. um, he did that God's the most recent Godzilla versus Kong movie. Did you see that? No, I did not. But I love the guest. I dug, I dug it. The guest is badass too. Yeah, that's a real good one. I'd love to watch rewatch the guest. Oh yeah. I just remember that scene where the dude's carrying a full keg, just oh, like in one just arm, looking all hunky. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the gore of that glass coming out of her leg is brutal. For sure. Uh, the next brutal moment is when we see that she set up she set up the spike trap in the window, but she set two up. So the guy thinks that he's spotted the trap, but he doesn't know if there's a second one. This is straight home alone. Oh yeah. The uh pink hand? No, the nail, the foot nail. Mm. When Daniel Stern is walking in the basement and his shoes and socks come off because they're stuck on the tar stair and then he steps with his bare yeah, foot it's onto a nail. This goes all... This one goes through the guy's foot. <laughs> gross. But it's also Home Alone because he... the the Thinking he found the first trap at falling for the second one, that was the uh, the paint can. Like they they, they, oh, they get yeah, him to yeah, trip yeah, yeah. the paint can and they're like okay we got it and then he gets hit again. Yes, I mean if you're gonna emulate something, you might as well emulate one of the best movies of all time. Exactly, Home Alone. <laughs> um, I want you to fuck me on this bed next to your dead mom. Happens. <sighs> um, Aaron ends up behind uh one of the curtains. And Fox is going to come after her. And this is just an awesome little self-defense moment. She gets her hands up. And as soon as the dude pulls the fucking curtain, just one jab straight to his, <laughs> his throat. Yeah. And it 
That'll fuck anyone up. Oh yeah, anyone. Do are are we? Is it? Are we to the point where she runs into her boyfriend? Is he back? Uh, with not, her? Yeah. Okay. No. We still got. <clears throat> um. So after this, she takes off, and Felix and Z and everyone are after her. But she goes back into the house. And Lamb is the only one who realizes that she went back into the house. And this is where Lamb sticks his head in that same window to look. And Aaron is standing around the corner with a knife and <laughs> fucking knifes him through the goddamn skull like a <laughs> maniac. Man, a lot of, oh. I'm going to be honest. A lot of the kills are starting to like morph into one thing for me right now. I'm having a hard time remembering. It's okay, Tay. I got you. I got you. you. This movie is a cacophony of violence and gore towards the end. Um, And then, oh, but after this, do you remember the shot where she now has the axe? She has Lamb's axe. Oh, yeah. And she's standing in the window frame. She just, she strikes a pose. Oh, man. That pose was another goosebump moment for me. That's the the uh, theater, right? Didn't they use uh, some of that in like the promotional I think it's, stuff? I've seen a bunch of posters. I think that's one of cool. them. That image is so fucking badass. Um, so Fox chases her into the basement, and uh, this is where we get kind of that Saw moment. Did you see the Saw movies? Uh, I saw the first one, and I think I so tried in the to in the first one. Do you remember the camera? There was a camera flashing. Thing similar to this. No, I don't remember. Okay. Well, anyways, she lures him down, and I, she uses the log to crush the light bulb, which is awesome for two reasons. One, she sets up the camera so it's flashing, but she can also hear when he's coming down the hall because nice. of the glass on the ground. The fact that she uses a log to dispatch this guy uh-huh. and crushes his fucking skull too—it's hardcore. Did. It's hardcore, man. So, why is she such a badass? Her dad was... Uh, a survivalist. Raised her on a survivalist right. compound. Yeah. Her dad was like an apocalyptic That's right. guy, and so he was a prepper, basically. <laughs> well, Which... What are the chances? <laughs> what are the I feel chances? like that would have come up a couple times in conversation. But maybe she's like a little ashamed or a little weirded out by that. Yeah, or maybe Crispin is just kind of a douchebag who has no morals and doesn't care. That's true. He he does seem to love her though. I don't think that's the case. But you you're right. If you're dating someone long enough to bring them home to your parents for a long weekend, I feel like you've probably asked them what? about their childhood yeah. at some What's point. What your dad do? Is he or a like. Or, or just like, what was it like growing up in Australia? Yeah, would be a question that would get you the answer. I mean, he he's a professor who hooks up with students. All he cares about is that it's a hot chick. <laughs> That's true. Um. So, every, the three killers are dead now. So we just got just a couple family members left to go. Um, when Felix gets the crossbow from the guy, and the guy tells him how to use the crossbow, 
and uh, he and Z try to shoot her from outside, and he shoots, and then when he runs to the window, she's gone, and he goes, what the fuck? I hit her, didn't I? That's like me playing video games, <laughs> yeah. where I'm like, that's such bullshit! I shot that guy! I know I fucking shot that guy! <laughs> the game's messed up. <laughs> no, it's like, there, there was lag or something, yeah. this is BS. <laughs> um, Felix is just a twerp. Yeah, so Felix, this is where Felix now disables the, the cell phone jammer uh-huh. out in the trunk of the car. He and Z go in, and uh, god damn it, I love this moment so much. So Z and Aaron are fighting, and Felix goes to get into it, and she throws the pot of oil in his face. And he goes, it's, it's not even cold! And then the next step, he slips and eats shit. (laughs) (laughs) Knocks himself down. Oh, that was such a good setup for such a great joke right there. They really make him look kind of like a dipshit. A lot. Oh, he's the worst. So, Tay, what do you think of how she dispatches Felix? How does she dispatch Felix? With a fucking blender oh my through God. his skull, okay, and yeah. then she plugs it in. Yeah, so that's when the movie goes straight Looney Tunes, like, out of nowhere, too. Like, I'm surprised his eyeballs too, didn't pop out. Was it too much for you? No, that's actually way more my style than, like, the like the golf swing thing or the punch to the face or something. Like, something that is just so, like, impossible to me is just more funny than something super grotesque i i've i've always been back and forth on this moment as to whether or not it's too far for me and i feel like i think it's too far in the sense that it's super goofy but uh the movie's funny it's supposed to be it looks like something out of like a grindhouse movie or something like the effect of it and the way the guy's like yeah i don't know but then we get an awesome kill on z where she pulls the knife out of her back does a cool knife flip move in her hand uh-huh. and fucking buries that all the way to the hilt in the top of Z's skull. God, that's the second person who's stabbed in the head, right? Uh, well, Aaron has smashed two skulls with blunt instruments, the two masked guys. Uh-huh. And then she stabbed one of the masked guys in the head with a knife and she stabbed Z in the head right. with a knife. So she's killed four people? And, uh... Five people. We just got one more to go. <laughs> one more. What a night. <laughs> one more to go. Yeah. Do you think Aaron's going to be okay after this? No. Isn't. isn't... <laughs> I don't either. Yeah. Um, at some point, we also see before this, she sets up the axe trap over the front door. Another real Home Alone moment, but that's where you get that, that... killer synth. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen so to good, that. So good, that um, So Crispin calls his brother. Aaron answers the phone. And final twist of the movie, Crispin was in on it too. So he's just been and outside chilling this whole time. He's just been like hanging out by the car, having a cigarette, waiting for this to blow over. He's kind of the worst of them because he's like, it's just, you know I couldn't be there. I just don't have the stomach for it. It's like, then don't murder your entire family dick <laughs> um so this final scene between the two of them wait where Aaron there's not a scene why did I think there was a scene between him and like 
his brother before this. Those are not? Where they like talk about the plan together? Crispin and Felix? Or just... they might have had a scene at some point. but so, Or he just... I don't... Or he just runs in and runs into his girlfriend and she's like, where have you been? I think it... I don't... I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't either. It's okay. But I love this final negotiation that he tries to do where he's like, listen, babe, the only way we could get out of our debt is to murder my parents and blah, blah, blah. And he's like... How does $500,000 sound? Maybe an engagement? <laughs> and he's like, dude, you, you fucking idiot. What if- your girlfriend just murdered half of your family and all of the assassins. You better be begging for your life right now, bud. They should have really went for it and just ended the movie with her accepting his engagement right there. Like, I've been waiting that- for you <laughs> to do this forever. <laughs> Cut to can't hardly wait, please. <laughs> that's how they that's how the family that has the house and can't hardly wait bought exactly. it exactly the money they got from this oh so Aaron the true badass that she is Sniffs stabs it out. him behind the ear weird cool place to stab someone I haven't seen that often in a horror movie Didn't... It, he oh, I love this line he goes why She says, why the fuck not? Classic. Another stand-up stabs him in the line. Stabs him in the eyeball. I do. I, it's, this movie makes me want to clap yeah. and just, like, be one of those annoying theater it, people that cheers at Spider-Man. It, uh, it feels like, like, they knew that they were going to get to that tone, but there's, like, they subvert your expectations a lot at the beginning, but it seems like it, it weaves in and out of that, that, um, that mo- those moments like that it isn't just like once she becomes powerful it isn't like a long line of like triumphant thing she actually has to struggle a little bit more too to get to those points which is awesome it gives it a lot more depth than just her being a invincible badass for the rest of the movie yeah and just by the end of this movie she's been through so she much is shit. completely tattered and torn yeah. so she kills him and then the cop who she sent a text message out earlier Shoots her through the window. Were you pissed off at this part? Absolutely. Yeah. That's when you thought you when you thought she was dead. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that would have been. A it cool would be ending. a real bad ending yeah. if the cop killed her. I thought it'd be kind so of. So cool. I was. I was real. I was happy when they they cut to her showing her crawling around, and then the cop walks in. Axe comes down. Gigantic blood splatter. One more time. Hit me with that title. You're next. Boom. And then we get uh, a cover of that Dwight Twilley song to carry us out. And man, when this song with when this song carries us through the credits, I am on like cloud nine walking out of this movie. I am feeling good. I'm excited to survive. <laughs> I'm excited for women and how strong and badass they can be. 
I love indie horror. I love people who make horror. I, I'm yeah. just so happy walking out of this movie. I liked it, man. Uh, I I don't. Yeah, I, I I really enjoy the movie. It's just a little. Um, I don't know. I, I should love it, you know, but I like it. It's weird. I think your your eventual fatherhood, which is right around the corner, <laughs> has softened you already. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> well that will wrap us up man um i to close this out here i i love your next a lot it's one of my favorite horror movies it's definitely not perfect there's a few things here or there that i would tweak or change primarily the dad's performance and maybe that blender kill um but for me, this one's a four and a half out of five. It's it's just like right down my alley. How'd you feel? I am going to go. I really enjoy the comic parts. I enjoyed how the family vibe together. That felt real. I thought the twists were cool. I like the double twist at the end when the when you kind of forgotten about her boyfriend and What's his name? Crispin? You kind of forget about him, and then he comes back in, and that was a good little bookend to the whole thing, and uh, really enjoy the movie. Everyone's cool, but I, there's just, I don't know, just so, I, I I don't see myself re-watching this too often, as much as I do this dude's other work, with especially the guests. I watch that every Halloween now. But I'm going to say... Really? That's a cool Yeah, one. it's awesome. But I'm going to say probably three. Three stars. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I'm fine. You're fine. <laughs> That's cool with me. I'm not offended. Um, I I really want to rewatch the guest now, especially when you say that that's the one that you rewatch annually. Yeah. Because for me, this is my this is an this is an every October uh-huh. movie for me. Because it's like the parts that I like about this is the part where it gets a little more self aware and fun, you know. And it's like the her, like just turning into this badass is the stuff i like about that that movie just is that the whole time kind of yeah that i totally see what you're saying that movie never quite delves into more of a uh not generic but it it never dives into that like what you would expect kind of thing right it's it it, it always keeps that kind of weird vibe going and it's super cartoon yeah i gotta check fun. i gotta check that one out again yeah. man Hell yeah. Um, do you have anything that you want to plug? <laughs> a movie, a band, a no, TV man. show? Just, uh, just, uh, are are all your listeners on the on the Discord? I don't know who listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to say say hello to all my friends on the Discord if they are listening. Uh, and uh, some of them listen. Cool. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I got nothing. Excited, yeah. To, to um, yeah, that was fun, man. Josh, what do you have? Okay, nothing from Josh. <laughs> Hopefully, so, they got that figured out. Uh, yeah, this will be one for the books, Tay. Okay. Uh, Hopefully, it was good. Feels weird, fly. Feels weird, flying solo here at the end. Hey, I would never. I wouldn't rather anyone else be the guest for the episode where I get left alone with them. Cool. I mean, thank God you're I, my friend. I wish because if if you were 
If you were Josh's friend oh, yeah. and we got left alone <laughs> together, weird. that would be so awkward. It probably would have. I probably would have had more. It probably would have worked out better if we ended up starting with your next and going to Ken Harley Way because I feel like I probably would have had a little bit more juice for that when it was the solo time. You know, when can you predict that a daughter's car is going to break down? <laughs> they always do, I guess. They always do. All right, man. So, well, thank you, Tay. Uh, thank you, listeners, for checking this out. As always, please take care. Oh, God. I'm going to do that again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> take two. Listeners, thanks for listening. Oh, God. All right. No. <laughs> take three. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, I'm not sure what movies we're going to be coming back with yet. But until then, be kind to yourselves, be kind to your neighbors, take care everybody, we'll see you soon. I believe I had some Transformers that were like, they were spies, and so when you would put your thumb on their decal, their decal would change from Autobot to Decepticon. Whoa. Yeah. So not only were they robots in disguise... But they were robots in disguise who were also so, spies. <laughs> yes. And they would and tell they you were lies. full of lies. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. What are we I'd doing here today? I think that's a good warm up. I think, I, think that's, I think that's all we needed right there. <laughs> that's perfect. Um, so, uh, yeah, Tay and I broke. You had to go take care of your daughter's car problems. I'm glad everything was okay there. In the meantime, Tay went off and had himself a healthy baby girl. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to Tay. Um, oh, and Tay has the best named baby I've seen. And I myself have named two babies. And I feel as if I have fallen short of the bar that he has now set. Because what is it? it's Birdie. And that's the cutest name. And I love it. How do you spell it? B-I-R-D-I-E, I believe. Oh, that's very cute. Yeah. Is it, I wonder if that's a family name. I don't know. See, it feels like kind of 20s, doesn't it? It feels it feels like a grandparent or a great-grandparent or something like that. Mm-hmm. I had a grandfather who was Thomas Claggett uh, Perry. C-L-A-G-G-E-T, I think, or something. Claggett. Okay. Mm-hmm. He wanted my mom to name me Claggett. And she was like, uh, no, I was going to be Sean or Nicholas. And I think it was, I was going to be Nicholas if I came out angry and Sean, if I came out nice. And they said I was a nice baby for about 12 hours. I got the name Sean and then I turned into an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I gasped because my name was also supposed to be Nicholas. Really? Yes. I know. Nick, Nick Perry. Who would I be? You'd be a private eye. It, it would, it would have changed every single facet of my life. (laughs) Yes. Being Nick Perry. Like that's a completely different human being. Now, what about Nicholas Ickes? I know that's not good. <laughs> no, I'm like the, you guys should have thought of this. Apparently, Josh was not even on the board until they saw me, and then I was a Josh. 
how does that happen? I don't know. How do, how do you look at a baby and say that baby looks like a blank? I don't know. Babies look like Winston Churchill. That's just empirical. When you've adopted your pets, have you had a name before you've gone in to adopt them? I have not. And some of them have taken like several days uh, in order to get their actual name from me. Um, although I really, I'm a big fan of Harry Nilsson and he's got a song, Me and My Arrow. And I kind of want a dog named Arrow. So that could be our theme song. Arrow's good. Yeah. Uh, Buster, I was... 100% on before I even got the dog. Uh, my love for Arrested Development was that strong back then. And then Ripley was either going to be I think it was either Ripley or Luca. L-U-C-A. Mm-hmm. Which okay. would have been named after a Dark Souls character called Luca Teal. Wow. All this time, I always feel like the, and don't take this the wrong way, the larger nerd of the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> and yet... You just haven't hit my specific topics yet, man. <laughs> it's, I did have a dog named Scully uh, that I raised from a tiny little puppy. Uh, and then my other pup rescue that I had was Haku, which you don't know of yet because it comes from a Miyazaki film. I wanted a green dog when I was a child. Don't know why. And I wanted to name the dog Gordon. <laughs> which, when I watched Session 9 so many years later, and the name Gordon pops up, I'm like, whoa, this thing, this has some kind of connection to my brain. Uh-huh. Uh, but also, isn't the dog in Friday 4 named Gordon? It is. Okay. Gordon... What's your take? Does Gordon run out of that window and jump through to escape? Or does Jason throw Gordon out that window? <laughs> I, I choose to think that Gordon acts on his own volition and does a, a running leap uh, to get away from everything. Yeah, I like it. No, I think Gordon's smart. Fuck yeah. this family. Yes. <laughs> this little weirdo kid with all of his masks. Probably dressing the dog up all the time as an alien and shit. And just, no, I'm out of here, baby. The idea that maybe they had a, uh, like a family meeting spot if there was a fire or something. You know, and the the dog is just like, I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. There's an emergency. I'm going to the spot. <laughs> it, I would have liked if they just cut away to the dog as like the humans are being slaughtered by Jason. And the dog's just nosing through a trash can down the street. <laughs> I want every time I see a dog in a movie now or a movie about a dog, I think of you because of cinematography and uh, it, it has enriched my life quite a bit. It's a good phrase, right? It is. Um, so we left off with can't hardly wait. Let's just close it up. You basically we were at the diner. So just what are your thoughts about the very end of the movie? And your score. Uh, my big thought was uh, that the the little wrap ups. Were like a lot of the rest of the movie kind of problematic because there's some homosexual panic in there with Peter Facinelli's character losing his job 
when those photos yep. resurface years later. Um, and that, uh, what is his name? Uh, is it Will? The, the William one, the nerd? Yes. Who wants revenge. Um, he might be the worst villain in the whole movie <laughs> because he ruins a man's life. How do you, he's the one that, what do you mean? I, I think he's the one who sends the photos around later. I never was, I, is that implied in the movie? I don't know. Tay mentioned it and I know Tay mentioned it, but I don't know if I ever have read that in this movie. It's yeah, I've never thought about it before, but where did the photos come from? Who has those photos? Did his, well, the, the nerds, don't they just throw the photos on their bodies when the cops show up? Maybe the cops had them. I think maybe there's a, up... a vengeful deputy out there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't need to do a conspiracy theory dive on can't hardly wait. <laughs> what about the wrap up? Preston and Amanda. Uh, it's very cute. We actually get to see um, some personality from Amanda. Finally. Uh, as I recall, they play the, um, the 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 Matthew Sweet theme, the bass line from that song, kind of plays over that scene. It's kind of a stripped down. Yes. Uh, and it's adorable that they spend the rest of the day together and they write each other letters every day. Uh, like, it's unrealistic, but I wish it were true that, like, my high school crush and I had that kind of romance and then had just lived happily ever after. Uh, it's a very sweet idea. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm skeptical about the letter every single day. Like, what else? You've got other stuff to do. There are things to do at your it writing takes, camp. It takes a long time to write a letter. Also, yeah. I, it's kind of novel that, like, this movie just did not predict text messaging. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is nice to receive a letter. And I think at this time, like, was it 98, 99? Is that correct? Yeah. Um, 98, I think. Yeah. I was already at college with, like, I think I had a personal and a school email address already in my life and was, like, sending people emails and stuff. And I had definitely been on bulletin boards and stuff before this. This movie is probably one of the last teenage movies that has almost zero mention of the internet. Yeah. And it, I, maybe that's why I like it so much, because it's just this novel time capsule of that's that less technologically infused time that we lived in. Yes. Uh, also, when the credits come up, it kicks into the best song, the titular Can't Hardly Wait, which is... I played the entire song underneath Tay in my talk. Oh, good. Oh. <laughs> I left... I, I I didn't know where to cut it, and it kept having fake endings. Yes. But then I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll just leave the whole thing in. <laughs> it's really good. I really <laughs> like this song. <laughs> That's... And I don't know if my love of, like, power pop came before this. Probably, because I was really into, like, Jan and Dean and the Beach Boys and stuff when I was a kid, which I feel like is a a through line of California rock pop to the, the sunny garage rock that I like that was came a little bit later. Uh, 
but the replacements are huge for me in my uh, personal like musical development. So, well, overall, what would you th- uh, give Can't Hardly Wait? With I... all the homophobia and, you know, <laughs> dated jokes and uh, racist stuff. Like, <laughs> I know it's like hard to like put all that aside, but yes. um, that stuff is there and it sucks. But aside from that, Tay and I were both saying this is not a nihilistic movie. It's actually pretty positive and uplifting. Yeah, I think it's a very sweet movie, and I kind of feel like teen movies since then, not that I watch a lot of teen movies, but I feel like there's, there's no, there is no cynicism in this movie. It's, it's kind of cute and hopeful, ultimately, uh, and I give it three and a half stars and a heart, because I don't give everything hearts, just everything we do on this show winds up with a heart, <laughs> I swear. Nice. Uh, Tay and I were both at a four for okay. this one. Um, so after this, we talked about Your Next, which was a movie I picked that I really loved. Had you seen this before? I did. Your Next is interesting because the first time I saw it um, in 2011, I went, uh, it was a theater, and I had only seen the trailer, and I walked out disappointed. I remember I didn't like the movie because I, it's not what the trailer sells you. I saw this on my 27th birthday in theater Mm -hmm. blind going in. And so I didn't, I didn't know what I was getting aside from a few promotional images of like a mask silhouette. Yes. I think I was not ready for it to be kind of like a deconstructionist twisty, uh, sort of it's a, cause it's more in the mumble gore camp than a real true slasher camp. Um, and I was expecting like a straight ahead slasher movie. No, and like the dinner scenes and stuff. Yes. There's a lot of really improv dialogue. Yes. Or improv heavy dialogue in this. And I feel uh, things that I viewed as weaknesses at the time, uh, I, l- I like a lot more now, like those sections where they're clearly doing self-insert commentary on like the pretentious filmmaker, but also the family members who don't understand the idea of trying to be a filmmaker. Um, uh, Joe Swanberg as the the brother Drake yes. talking about trying to figure out what an underground film festival is and being so dismissive and breathing into his wine that it's unprofessional that his brother is a professor like they're so snidey yes and I, Joe Swanberg and AJ Bowen especially I think their chemistry they're back and forth when they're riffing and yelling at each other mm-hmm. it's some of the best dialogue in this movie and. I have a weird um, thing with Swanberg anyway. Swanberg is a a character of fascination for me outside of this movie because of his filmmaking. And the fact that he is a guy who was just going and doing it. Um, before this, I had seen his web series, uh, Young American Bodies. Um, which is just, it's a mumblecore sitcom kind of thing. Kind of like he would do his lo-fi romantic dramedies. Uh, It's very much in that same vein. And I, I think a lot of it was jealousy at the time of seeing somebody make these things that were objectively shitty. Like they're improv, the 
the technique is not good. Uh, the the stuff they were shooting on was consumer grade. The audio was rough, and he was getting money for it. And I think I was very jealous at that point in time. Uh, now I kind of view him as like a guy who got away with it and uh, continues to and kind of does things his own way. And I really enjoy it and appreciate him now. I can totally relate to (laughs) jealousy getting in the way of you. (laughs) You know, you're into something, Uh but it just pisses you off that that person's doing it. Yep. Uh, Only thing I've seen of his is uh, VHS that he's directed. Oh, okay. He was in The Sacrament, which was a pretty fucked up movie. Uh, I love uh, The Sacrament. Jamestown? Yeah, it was just it was just a real heavy, heavy movie. Yes. Um, so, moving on, we also just, like, the main characters in this movie are the Three Masks and Sharni Vinson as Aaron. Mm-hmm. So what did you think about just the home invasion aspect of how they used the characters and the masks and uh, the the three guys. And then also that twist that this is not going to be our year's standard final girl. Even on that first viewing, when I didn't like it as much, I thought um, Aaron Sharni uh, was going to go on to do other awesome things. Because, I'm surprised she hasn't. Yes, she is so good in this movie, and really, I mean, even once you get the the people behind the masks, she is still like the human character that we're following. She is the heart of the movie and has to carry the whole thing and and be the smart one all the way through and put up with all the different twists because they're all happening to her. She's the person who's in the dark the whole time, and. It's. I think she just does a great job, and it's it's weird that I haven't seen her in other stuff. It's a hell of a performance. I've looked um, into her career. It seems like she did some like Australian Dancing with the Stars stuff and things like that. But yeah, I, I'm I'm really surprised that no directors have picked her up to put her in a, another, you know, low to mid budget American horror movie of some sort or anything really. Yeah, it seems like, and I think maybe this was because this wasn't like a horror movie. It was a mumblecore movie, and it is, you know, slightly different. They they tread in slightly different circles uh, that I think that she hasn't gotten kind of play in the mainstream horror stuff. You know, I've got friends who are doing like Amityville sequels and stuff um, with a lot of the actors who you would expect to be in those types of movies. Uh, and I feel like she could very easily play in that same kind of realm. And maybe she doesn't want to, maybe she doesn't have to. And good for her. If like, if she's out there, I don't know, living a life. So what'd you think about how the movie was shot overall? Like I'm specifically thinking of my favorite sequence in this whole movie is when we get our first killer entrance inside the house basically where the guy throws Kelly's body through the window mm-hmm. and he steps in and it's slow motion and it's lion mask and then this is where he swings the axe Sharni rolls kicks him and then bashes his head in yes How, what'd you think about the transition from slow motion to then regular motion and i i think they dropped the score out 
when they're going from slow motion, it's like a that there's a score in the background, and then as soon as they cut to her kick him and start to defend herself, it's just the sounds, the diegetic sounds. That whole section in particular is so intense, and it's funny because it leads you from like a a horror thriller moment into Aaron going overboard, which is what you want and expect in these movies, but you never actually get it. You totally expect them to like crack the guy on the head one or two times. And once he's out, they run away, but she does not. She like stays there and wails on the guy. So the fact that they use technique to actually like, make a point it feels almost like um oh like a michael haneke film or something where the the fact that you're viewing the violence is part of the uh the moral of the story itself that he is telling you and the fact that he's that it's going overboard is like saying to you as a consumer you know here, you got your thrilling moment. Here's the actual outcome. Here's a man's head bashed into pieces. Is this what you really want? Kind of a thing. And it's a little snotty in film school, but also I kind of love it. I See, I didn't take it as the... I, I looked at it as a gift the directors were giving <laughs> horror fans. Uh-huh. Seriously, I thought it was like... It's like that Sydney moment at the end of Scream where the killer comes back for one final scare. And it's like, then fucking pop him before he even gets up, mm-hmm. you know? And that's why I love this, because it's like, Aaron's not leaving a single thing to chance here. And it's it pisses us off so much as horror fans when a character does something dumb. Like, take a killer down, and the killer's knocked out. Fucking kill that bastard now while you have the chance. Yeah, And so, for me... It is excessive and grotesque, but it also ignites my excitement as a horror fan and also just as like a survival instinct Mm -hmm. that she's willing to do what needs to be done. I think the uh, way that they play the masked figures, it it reminded me a lot of um, The Strangers, obviously, um, which I've never seen the second one, but I've, I've heard good things from. People. It's a lot more fun. Yeah. Okay. I, I I'm I'm way much more a fan of the second than the first. The but home invasion is one of the things that terrifies me, um, as it might anybody, because it's a real thing. I I don't think Michael Myers is actually going to come and hunt me down. Um, you know where do you learn how, where did you learn how to drive? That doesn't make any sense. But someone who like is either paid. Or just snaps, uh, you know, one of their stabilizing rods and decides to go off the rails like that can happen. That seems realistic. Uh, And so the fact that they they're so terrifying in the beginning and then when you actually get the reveals start happening, they're all kind of pissy and like they don't want to be doing their job. (laughs) I love the that aspect of it. No, it's great because it it. It takes away the monster side that the masks gives them mm-hmm. and it shows you that these are three human beings. And I, I told Tay the moment that really kind of switched the tone of this movie for me is when she, the guy grabs her through the window towards the start and she stabs his arm 
like into the mm-hmm. window frame and then is looking for another weapon to get him. Mm-hmm. And you just hear the guy screaming. And that moment is so humanizing of like, okay, these guys feel pain and they feel a lot of pain. Yeah. And they're vulnerable. The um, How do you feel about just the Home Alone aspect of this movie? Like the traps that she sets with the spike nails and she has the pot of water or oil on the stovetop to boil. Right. Uh, there's a lot of like fun trap kind of stuff going on. I like the I like the gathering of the weapons and like she's constantly um, kind of looking for what's a bigger, better thing to stab them with or hit them with. Uh, I love that the pot of water doesn't work <laughs> like it's gone off. It's not hot anymore. <laughs> it's such a. But it still works. Yes. <laughs> he slips and eats shit at the end, yep. which I think makes me laugh out loud every time that happens. Uh, it's, I think it's a really fun, uh, but also, isn't that the way, if you have those diehard fantasies or um, strangers fantasies or whatever it is, where you go, okay, what would I do if assassins broke in right now? what is the object I would pick up to defend myself with? Like, like that's not just me, right? You've had those thoughts, right? Oh yeah. Okay. I have like no blunt weapons anywhere near my couch. Yeah. Real problem. In Colorado, when I was into zombies and shit back before zombies were completely oversaturated in the media, uh, after reading Max Brooks, uh, guide uh-huh. to zombie survival. I had a crowbar that was near like my front door, and that was my weapon of choice. So for years, I had um, a baseball bat behind my door, especially when we lived in East Nashville. Um, and then when I lived in my apartment, where the cops would get called regularly to the apartment to the complex, um, I gathered some of the things I had used for films and music videos. Uh, And had them like in my living room. So I had the baseball bat. I also had a uh, an axe. And a scythe. (laughs) (laughs) In my living room, just ready to go with a guy who has a scythe. I know no one is going to attack you if you're standing there, especially if you've just been woken up and you're in your underwear swinging a scythe like angry man. Surely harvest people as if they were corn. I love it. Uh, um, so you got any other final thoughts about your next things that really stand out to you overall about the movie? The one thing that I wanted to find out um, that has stuck with me is when um, is it Felix's uh, girlfriend? Z? Yes. Uh, when they want to fuck on the bed next to the dead mother. Ah, uh, yeah. Fuck. I want you to fuck me on this bed next to your dead mom. Is a great moment in cinema history. <laughs> and then when he declines, she says, "You never want to do anything interesting." And he says, "I don't think that's a fair criticism." This movie's really funny, and I wasn't when I saw this in theater. I wasn't laughing much because, like, I I wasn't looking for the comedy in it. Yes, there's a lot of real dark comedy in this. Yeah, I think this and um, It Follows are the two films that I have done the biggest turnarounds on when I've rewatched them. Because both of them, I came out of the theater not enjoying 
And now I love both of them. I need to rewatch it, Follows. Uh, one final thing I really want to know your take on. Uh, Felix's death, the blender into yes. the head. How do you stand? I mean, skulls are really hard. And I like I have a decent blender, not not like a super expensive one, but I feel like I could bend those blades if I drop the thing. You know what I mean? Like if I drop the the, the blendy portion, I feel like it would ding them up pretty badly. So I think you'd get a lot of scalp lacerations, but I don't feel like you'd get uh, much penetration. It's not it's not a drill. And overall, just regardless of whether or not it would work, how do you it, oh, feel it's awesome. about it? It's awesome. <laughs> it is fantastic. Okay. I, I love it as a kill. I think as a horror movie kill, it is it works for me and it's a lot of fun. You and Tay are both fully on board with it. Uh-huh. I'm still undecided. I go back and forth. I really? don't know if I like it or if if the over-the-top goofiness of, like, the gore... It reminds me of American movie, of, like, a Mark Borchardt movie, mm-hmm. where it's, like, you got a character with the apparatus strapped to his head, and, like, just keep dumping goo on their face, and then the guy's just, like, as it's yeah. blending his brains. Yeah. It, it, it's insane. Then <laughs> so, <laughs> there's nothing else like it in this movie. Yes. So I don't... I don't know what to do with it. But then we get such a minimalist kill on Z, where she just fucking drops a knife straight through the top of her skull. Yeah. Aaron puts knives through two people's skulls and a blender through another skull. Mm-hmm. Smashes two more skulls. She's all about the skull. The the knife through the skull. I also I I think you'd get like a glancing blow if you tried that. I don't know, man. I've watched a lot of Walking Dead and. That show makes skulls to be made out of, like, plywood. <laughs> people, are, people are taking, like, Swiss Army knives and stabbing zombies in, like, the top of the cranium, uh-huh. and it's going straight through. Uh, Who's there? Oh, UPS. Ooh, exciting. This is, this is a live, on-air unboxing, maybe. Of Sean's belated Christmas present from me. <laughs> so, uh, this is on me for not realizing how long things take. Yes, that is the box that I sent him. It's that is box. indeed the black box. Is this from an airplane? Well, yes, it's got all the secrets inside. Do you get it? If you saw yellow, if you saw yellow jackets, you'd be appreciating it right now. You get? Do you get my black box joke? Yes. Yeah. Why don't they make the whole plane out of that stuff? I don't know. All right. <laughs> Here we go. This is fun. <clears throat> wow. Bellsnickel. Indonesia, Afro, and Sickle- <laughs> Central America coffee. Uh-huh. Berry jam, sweet pine, baking spice. Ooh, those are some good <laughs> notes. That's that is one of the fanciest coffees Nashville has to offer. And let's see, we got a book. Mm-hmm. John Steinbeck, East of Eden. Yes. When did, we, when did I, we talk about this? We have not. I sent you a copy of my favorite book. Well, isn't that? I swear we've <laughs> talked about Steinbeck at some point. 
That's Did awesome. we talk about Travels with Charlie? No, where, where my he... mom's favorite book is Grapes of Wrath. Oh, okay. So I'll read this in Grapes of Wrath, and then I'll be able to better connect to both of you. Yes, you can bond with us. Yeah. But wait, there's more. There's more. This is in white. Anytime, can I just say, anytime you get to unwrap something that's in tissue paper like uh-huh. this, it, it just reminds me of like childhood stocking. Very exciting. Wow. That's our logo. This Elizabeth made that for you. That's our logo. She made out of it's uh, out Sculpey. Of, it's clay. Uh-huh. And it's 3D. Yep. That's wonderful. That's so cool. <laughs> I like. Do I do I want to? I kind of want to stick a magnet on the back or something. I know you got a hook. That here. would totally work. Yeah. Awesome. A magnet would work. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. And there's more. Oh wow! My <laughs> first action figure since I was about eleven years old. Uh huh. It's Dallas from Alien. Yep. Uh, I'm going to be sacrilegious. Listen to this. I'm going <gasps> to open that thing right now, because toys are meant yep. to be opened. Play with that boy. Hell yeah. Wow. And it's posable? Mm-hmm. I'm going to raise raise his right hand to you. Huzzah. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not going to put him anywhere near my heating ducts. <laughs> I, and it says Nostromo across his shoulders on the back? Yeah. Oh, dang. Well, I've, cool, man. Now my... I bet... I don't know. I sent you two houseplants. Now I feel like I've been way outdone. Uh, the houseplants are thriving, and I love looking at them. I sit there in my kitchen, and I eat my meals at my, my center prep island, and I turn and look at my plants. And I think of my friend clear across the country. Oh. Well, thank you, man. That was really nice of you. I'm, that was very exciting to do that live. That was fun. Yeah. Um, so, Z gets the blade snapped off the top of her skull. What a present mm-hmm. to me. I love <laughs> yeah. that kill. Um, I, anytime you snap the handle of a blade off inside somebody, that's a good kill. <laughs> well... And I like the fact, so Aaron pulls that knife out of her own shoulder before she stabs it into Z's head. And like, if they had broken off the knife in her, she wouldn't have been able to retaliate. So I feel like she's learning her lessons as she goes. I almost threw away the flamethrower. I can't throw oh, away yeah. Dallas's flamethrower. Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, and then what? Oh, also... We haven't talked about the most important thing about this movie. Dwight Twilly looking for the magic. What do you think of that song? The theme song of this movie. The song that plays over oh, and over and over again. Yes, yeah. And then there's a cover version of it in the credits. Yes. I, I like it. I mean, I'm glad that they didn't pick a more annoying song to have to be repeated over and over again. I could listen to this song all day. It's so yeah. good. I think Tom Petty played bass on it, by the way. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, that doesn't entirely surprise me, but that's pretty cool. Um, did you know, I know you're not a trailer guy. Did you know in the trailer that that is not the song that they use? What do they use? 
uh, Lou Reed, Perfect Day. I don't know what that song is. Sing it to me. It's such a perfect day. I'm glad I spent it with you. Well, that doesn't work. That's that's no looking for the magic. It's very it's kind of a bittersweet kind of maudlin song. Uh, But it does have this big orchestral background that's interesting. And I do remember. I think at the time, like it made me a little bitter that they did not use one of my favorite songs in the movie when that was in the trailer. I'm so happy that they chose the one that they did because I yeah drive I think it's around, great. I drive around listening to it in my car and stuff. And oh it. really? Yeah. My one more comment when you're talking about the escalation of the violence, it goes from like a grounded family drama. Which this feels like it feels like shitty succession at the beginning, right? Yeah. Where everyone is like, if if everyone in succession like sucked more than they do, they would be this family. <laughs> uh, yeah. But then it turns into eventually it, ter- it turns into a splat stick movie that like young Peter Jackson or Sam Raimi would have made by the end of it. And I really like the escalation now that I kind of understand it more. So overall, what would you give uh, your next? Uh, I give it a four star. It's and I, I don't remember what I had originally on it uh, because it was pre letterbox, but it probably it probably would have been maybe a two two and a half stars for me. Wow, uh, big change. Yeah. Yes. So this was your first time since theatrical. Uh, I've seen it one other time in between. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you came around on it. Um, yeah, I was a four and a half. Tay was a three. Oh, interesting. Tay was, uh, yeah, Tay liked the more goofy aspects of it, like the blender kill and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think Tay wanted it a little more uh, 80s splatter kind of goofy than the mumble gore that it was. That's, I think that's what I wanted the first time too. And when it doesn't, really deliver that for the most part it like it feels like it's holding back but i've come to appreciate the ride a lot more and a lot of the humor in the rest of it i think is and the fact that um aaron is like hyper competent the whole time and everybody else is like running around like idiots is in and of itself funny just uh it also did make me think of um the Masters of Horror episode, Incident on and Off a Mountain Road, I think it's called. Oh, that's a very good pull. Yeah. Where yeah. A, a serial killer picks up a hitchhiker who's also a serial killer. Yes. Uh, or a survivalist. Or something like that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, next episode, we're going to be talking about uh, broadcast signal intrusion. And yes, Night Nighthouse, which are two recent horror movies that Josh has seen both of, and I have not seen either. So, do you want to what 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 vibe are we looking at next episode, Josh? Oh, these are both uh, like I feel like hypnotically interesting am gonna, movies. Am I gonna be scared? Um, am I gonna have my I, mind blown? Am I gonna I be crying? It's, it's one is more crying. One is more, to me, mind expanding. 
they both have scores by Ben Lovett. Um, oh, that's who, that's a cool connection. Yes. Uh, and that's why I just picked them both up on vinyl, because I think it's Waxworks is doing limited pressings of both of them. Um, and I have been listening to the Broadcast Signal uh, score like nonstop since, since I saw the movie. But he's also the guy who did the music for The Signal. Which uh, is the cell phone movie or no, not the cell phone movie. The one that I saw, which is made yes. by one of the Nighthouse directors. Yes, Bruckner. He, he did one of the segments. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the signal next episode. So yep. anyways, we'll be watching those two movies. That episode will come out on Tuesday, the 18th. And cool. um, yeah, until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.